welcome in, everybody. Episode 51 of Four Score the Podcast. Andrew May alongside Rob Jufre with you. And a lot of stuff to get into on tonight's episode. NFL free agency is underway. Well, free agency isn't technically underway, but the legal tampering period is. And so announcements of all different types of signings are made. And obviously they can't be official until free agency starts, but a lot of deals that we already know about that have been in the works and um, have been agreed upon in the last couple of days. So we'll get into that. Uh, Knicks back in action after the all-star break played a really tough game against the Nets last night. They did lose, but there were certainly a lot of positives to take from that performance. They have another game tonight against the Philadelphia 76ers. So we'll get into some Knicks basketball and we'll get into some Rangers too, who just completely ravaged by injuries and by COVID and looks like they finally, uh, dug themselves a hole that's way too deep to get out of. So, uh, but we'll start off with the giants. And I think that's probably most appropriate because there's been a lot of talk and it didn't just start today. It started since Dave Gettleman got the job. But there's been a lot of talk in the past few hours, I would say, um, about Dave Gettleman and the job he's done building a Giants roster. Now, we ha- we don't have to break down the positives we took from this season with the Giants because we've talked about it before. They got a lot of progress. Joe Judge looks like they got the coach right. You need to see some more from Daniel Jones this year. So that's what you're looking forward to. But they took a brutal loss on the defensive line with Dalvin Tomlinson. Uh, Guys signed with the Vikings. Uh, They were able to get a long-term deal done with Leonard Williams today. Three years, $63 million. So they initially placed the franchise tag on Leonard Williams. Now that they signed it to a long-term deal, it gives them a little bit more cap flexibility. But, you know, we briefly mentioned it last week. The whole situation with the Giants being up against the cap I think really speaks volumes to the job that's been done here over the past couple of seasons. And the giants are on the verge of putting together a competitive roster. We saw a a bunch of positives last season, but at the end of the day, Robin, I know you alluded to this last week when we recorded, but for a team that's won 18 games over the past four seasons to be up against the cap to the point where you have to release your best offensive lineman to save money against the cap, you can't afford to bring back your run-stuffing defensive tackle in free agency. You let him walk to the Vikings on a very affordable contract. You know, these are the kind of things that the, the trickle-down effect of not doing business the proper way. Um, so, you know, it really calls into question the job that Dave Gettleman has done. I think it really puts him on the hot seat. You know, a lot of people after last season, and I know you and I were, can fall under this category, were people that said, hey, you know, for all the flack that Gettleman has gotten, you're seeing a lot of guys that Gettleman has his fingerprints on make significant contributions to the team. But now in a critical offseason where now you have looks like you have some pieces in place and you need to make improvement, they're unable to make improvement because they're up against the cap and they lose some key pieces. And, and as we sit here right now, it looks like they may take a little bit of a step back. So I think his feet are on the fire and we have to see what the rest of this offseason brings us with the Giants because there's not a lot of cap flexibility to make a lot of improvements. And this is a critical year. Yeah, well, you know, you, you look at Gettleman's record since he joined the Giants again and uh, they're 15 and 33. <clears throat> that says it all. Um, as it stands today, are the Giants a better team uh, than they ended the 2020 season? No, they're not. They're just not. Um, you have absolutely zero cap space available. You had a team 
whose offensive line was ranked as the worst in the NFL, whose offense was ranked as the worst in the NFL, you know, where, where's all the cap space? None of this makes sense. It makes no sense. I'm looking at teams like the Rams. I'm looking at teams like the Cowboys. I'm looking at all these teams. Somehow, some way, they, they find their way around the cap. Now, Gettleman has been on record as saying he doesn't believe in restructuring contracts because you get bit in the ass down the road. Well, let's not worry about down the road. Let's worry about what's happening right here, right now. You lost Davlin Tomlinson because you had zero cap space available. And what the Vikings did was they front loaded his contract and they gave him 16 and a half million guaranteed for this season. So the Giants had no chance of matching that because the Giants were up against the cap as it is. But you know, after re-signing Leonard Williams, which they did, which I thought was a favorable contract to both the, the player and the team, they restructured uh, Nate Solder's contract. It looks like the Giants have close to anywhere from 14 to $18 million now available in cash base for themselves. And I don't know where that's going to take them. But, you know, it, it, this guy went out yesterday, Andrew, and he goes out and signs Devontae Booker to a, a two-year $6 million contract. Why? For what reason are you going out to sign? You can find running backs off the scrap heap for the minimum. Last year, Leonard Fournette was cut and signed for one year, $2 million. I mean, you could find guys off the scrap heap. There are games, guys like James White out there, for God's sake. You didn't need to sign the this This reeks of Jonathan Stewart all over again with this guy. Yeah, all over again. It's the same thing. There's there was no reason to go out and sign Devontae Booker to a six million. I mean, come on, he, he was he a, a, a three million dollar a year player for the Raiders last year? No, he was not. He's not. He's a journeyman running back. But at, if that's the, the case, then just bring Goldman back. I'm sure you could have got him for cheaper. I mean, Jesus, and it's, and, it's not and, like they were lacking too much in the running game. Wayne Goldman was pretty good down the stretch. And did we forget? I mean, this Giants team has been able to get by with the likes of guys like Orleans Darkwa. Right. Yes. So, yes. so, but now we need to go out and we need to sign Devonte Booker to a $6 made million no dollar contract. It doesn't make an, an inkling of sense. No, I'm, no I'm totally with you. Totally it, it with just, you. It just makes, uh, once again, it's, it's a waste of resources by Gettleman. And he's known to have done this with the Patrick O'Mames of the world. You know, he, 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 he just, uh, look, he's had, he had a couple of good hits last year in free agency with James Barrett, uh, Bradbury and Blake Martinez, two very good signings helped the giants defense out immensely immensely so those were two solid signings but he's got a lot of misses here and he's got he's got a lot to answer for and you know when, when you see Gettleman up at the podium he pretends like he's the smartest guy in the room he pretends like he has all the answers you don't have the answers when your team is 15 and 33 you just don't have the answers you've been trying to build an offensive line for three years now you you drafted some young young players last year and and guys like Matt Pert and Shane Lemieux and and Andrew Thomas, and we'll see where that takes us. Nick Gates looks like he could be a cornerstone piece over there at center after moving over, did a solid job, was kind of rated high by uh, pro football focus. And even Andrew Thomas, for that matter, finished his season on a high note uh, as rated, as again, graded by pro football focus. And you found out afterwards that Andrew Thomas was playing on a, on a bad ankle and he had to have surgery on it. So, but you know, he he wound up uh, he wound up um, um, doing a good job in the long run, Andrew Thomas. But look, you know, it's going to be based on um, the weapons that you can get around Daniel Jones, who again you took with that first round pick at six, which was highly questionable. And what did you go out today? You signed John Ross. I, I mean, look, I understand taking a flyer on John Ross, but this can't be your only option here. 
this cannot be your only option. You, you know, there were other guys out there, you know, the Corey Davis is the world who the Jets signed, which I thought was a pretty decent signing. Is Corey Davis great? No, he could be a little maddening and inconsistent, but you know, he's that sort of big sort of receiver that the Giants need so desperately. They need him desperately. So, you know, I, I don't know what Gettleman's next move is going to be, but I tell you the truth. I just don't see, you know, you, you read a lot of things about Kenny Galladay, which, you know what, I'm kind of sick of already because the Giants can't fit Kenny Galladay into their cap room right now. They still need, they still need cap space to sign their, their draft picks next, uh, next, uh, next, next month. So let, let's all tone it down. That's all I'm reading all over the place, Andrew. I'm sure you're seeing it everywhere you see. Giants are tied into Galladay. It's the Giants and the Dolphins for Galladay. It's Giants and his team for Galladay. Well, yeah. The idea is right because the need is there, but they just don't have the cap space. It's not realistic. Yeah, and I, I, I was seeing a bunch of reports about them going after Bud Dupree, too. I knew that yeah, that was Dupree. never going to happen. No. You knew I mean, that was look, never going to happen. Everybody thought he would take a one-year $10 million prover contract, but the Titans overpaid him. And, you know, you see now there's a lot of guys being overpaid and just have to look at the Patriots signings. They overpaid a ton of guys. Yeah. So, you know, Gettleman's well, I, job is in question right now. You know, I, 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 you know, you had to question, obviously, the pick of Daniel Jones at six. I understood him wanting to get him because it, he felt like at 17, he wouldn't have been able to get him. Took the guy with conviction. The big, the big mistake to me was always to say Quan Barkley pick. I never liked it. Barkley's a hell of a world, world talent. Don't get me wrong. But obviously, he's proven nothing, uh, Saquon Barkley. And it's, you just don't take a running back that high in the draft. You just don't. It, it, you just don't do it. First of all, these running backs have a, have a shelf life of five years for the most part. Barkley's already been injured a couple of times. He's had a severe ankle injury and now the knee injury. You know, who's to say he comes back healthy? Yeah, he's a hardworking kid. He'll probably come back somewhat healthy, I guess. But I was never a Barkley fan when they drafted him because he's just not the type of guy I want. I don't want... I don't want a guy that's going to dance behind the line of scrimmage looking for the looking for the home run every single carry. He's reluctant to run in between the tackles. He runs out of bounds a lot of times. He's always looking to bounce it outside. Just not my sort of running back. He, he's just not. Again, all-world talent. God bless the kid. The kid works hard. He, you know, he, he's, he's a home run hitter, but I don't want that. That's not what I want for my giant offense. I want a running back. And, and you've seen it last year. They used Wayne Gallman and, and Alfred Morris, and they had some sort of success. They had some sort of success in the running game because these were two guys that just pushed the pile. They ran in between the tackles, and they got positive yardage at all time. With Barkley, it's almost like the Barry Sanders, uh, Barry Sanders syndrome where, you know, he, he, he's losing yards. He's losing three, four yards. To try and get forty yards, I, I, man, just not me, just not me. Well, That's and like you said, run, back. running backs, you could pick them up off the scrap heap. And the you only way it, that Andrew. you can, the only way that you can defend taking a running back in that position is if that is the missing piece. But here's a newsflash, everybody: if you're picking second overall in the draft, you're more than a piece away. <laughs> I mean, it's just right. simple. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. And again, it goes it goes to Gettleman's it goes to Gettleman's uh, uh, stubbornness. You know, and, and pretending he's the smartest guy in the room. Uh, he's going to wear a gold jacket. He's going to wear a gold jacket. Uh, look, again, you, 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 like you said it just a couple of minutes ago, you could find these running backs, second round, third round. You find these guys. Running backs are easy to be found. And by the time their fifth year is up, by the time you have to sign them to, uh, you know, after their, their, their rookie contract is up, are you going to want a guy that you might have, you know, uh, uh, ran into the ground? Are you going to want to sign him like the like the Cowboys signed with uh, Ezekiel Elliott? Because 
I don't know if Elliott was breaking down last year. Certainly did not have, he had a below average year for himself. Dallas offensive line wasn't that good. And your running back is only going to be as good as the guys in front of him. And you had no offensive line at that point. So why the hell would you want to take a running back? It just didn't make sense the whole time. And these are the mistakes that Gettleman has made. And this is why the Giants are in the abyss. This is why they're 15 and 33 under him. And let's be clear, when it's all said and done, Saquon Barkley may be wearing a gold jacket. We're not denying that. But is it going to help the Giants win football games? Because if it doesn't, then it's the wrong pick. Right. It doesn't matter if he's a Hall of Famer. If it doesn't translate into any success for your team, then it was the wrong pick. And listen, I hear a lot of people that are saying, well, if they didn't draft Barkley, they would have drafted Darnold, and where would they be? Well, we don't know where they would have been. I'm certainly not a fan of Sam Darnold. A lot of people aren't fans of Sam Darnold as well. But there's no denying that the pick that he did make was not a good one. And it's nothing to take away from Saquon Barkley, but it's just when you have a team that's so far away, you know, drafting the guy at number two was not the right thing to do. And it's just been a trickle-down effect. There's been a bunch of different, a bunch of different moves that have been made that have raised eyebrows as far as Dave Gettleman is concerned. Now, look. Like you said before, Rob, Blake Martinez. Yeah, it was a good signing. James Bradbury. It was a good signing. But it's still at this point, like you said, when we first opened the episode, they look worse right now than they did when the season ended. And the free agent tampering period just started 24 hours ago. Yeah. And, and you know, their defense played over their heads last year. They're going to play that same way again. Are you going to get the same season out of Leonard Williams? You already lost Dalvin Tomlinson, who was a mainstay in the middle for them. And he played every single game, Davlin Tomlinson. Those are the types of guys you want on your roster. Those are the types of guys that you, you want to try and, and, and secure. That's what you want. You want to try and do that. And because they had to put Leonard Williams on a franchise tag, you know why? They could have franchised Tomlinson and then just signed him to a contract just to delay the process. Because, you know, this is Linville Joseph all over again. And he wound up going to the same team as Linville Joseph did when the Giants lost him. A solid run-stuffing, you know, interior lineman. Uh, you know, and, and these are the guys that 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 Gettleman swears by hog mollies, defensive line, offensive line. You know, the run stuff is this is what he loves to build around. And yet he's losing these guys just doesn't make sense because of his own mistakes. It's his own mistakes. Now, what is and, it? And, and what is it that honesty. saves his job? What's that? What, what would need to happen to save again? his job? Uh, the Giants would have to make the playoffs this year. They'd have to have a tremendous draft this year. And they'd have to be nine and seven, 10 and six with a playoff spot. That would save his job. That would save his job because they're not doing nothing in free agency. You've seen what they did today. And there's nothing really out there, you know, to really help them right now at the wide receiver spot. Even a guy like Marvin Jones was signed to a cheap contract, got $7 million from the Jaguars. He could have helped a little bit. I mean, look, he's not the, the game-breaking uh, receiver that you're looking for, but he's a guy that can play on the outside with some semblance of speed. If you're going to tell me, all right, you're going to take a flyer on John Lawson. You're going to rely on him. You're going to tell me he's going to be part of the offense. How do you know that? The guy's been injury prone. He's been a healthy scratch in 15 games since he's been drafted in 2017. So how the hell are you going to tell me that this guy is going to be a mainstay in your offense? He's the type of guy, yes, it was, it, it was a, 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 I thought it was a good move just to take a flyer on him. But don't tell me he's going to be part of your offense. Don't tell me, you know, you, you signed him because, you know, you feel like he's he's going to be healthy and he's going to be able to contribute because he hasn't proven that. So you better get something a little bit more, a little bit more stable than than John Ross at this point, because you can't go into a season with John Ross, uh, um, Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton again and Ingram. Who knows if they trade him? I don't know. But 
look, it, they're going to have to get lucky and have one of those guys drop to them in a draft, whether it be maybe Smith or Waddle. Uh, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe they get lucky. Maybe Waddle drafts, uh, drops to them because of the ankle injury. Doesn't look like Pitts is going to drop to them because, you know, Pitts is probably the second or third best player in his draft right now. So I sincerely doubt he would he would slide down to them. It's possible Waddle might be there. Devontae Smith even maybe. I don't know. I don't know what people think about him, you know, what some of these teams in front. You know, it's looking like and I tell you, Andrew, you, you, you look at the restructured contract that, you know, I was talking about this with Tommy before the podcast. You look at what the what the Falcons did restructuring Matt Ryan's contract. And now they're sticking with Matt Ryan for the next two, three years. They yep. have to. They're locked now in. Now they yep. have to because of the way they structured his contract. To free up money this year, they're going to be paying for it in the next two years. So I don't think they're going to be drafting a quarterback to have him sit behind Matt Ryan for two, three years, whether it be Justin Fields or if it's Zach Wilson or Trey Lance. So now who, who's going to be drafting these quarterbacks in front of the Giants? Maybe the Panthers take one of them? You know, who knows? I don't know. But, I, I you know, everybody pretty much had the, the Falcons booked for, for a quarterback in this draft. But it doesn't look like they're going to be taking a quarterback now at this point. I yeah, don't know no, which way they're the, going to go. But. And they're locked in. And the way they restructured it, and, you know, we, like we said, we were talking about this with Tommy before the podcast. They're pretty much locked in. It, it doesn't necessarily make it the right decision because, listen, I think that Matt Ryan – I I think he's a good quarterback. He's nothing special. I mean, he had one no. good MVP season, and that was it, and then completely choked in the Super Bowl in the second half of that Super Bowl, and he hasn't been anything since then. And no, I, the, the yeah. whole MO for, for Matt Ryan's entire career has been a boatload of talent and underachieving. That's all it's yes. been. So they're 100%. just going to run it back and do that again. They're not going to go anywhere. But, you know, that that complicates the draft. And that's why I said this before the pod, before the podcast when we were talking over text. I think this draft is going to be fascinating because you have so many teams that, you know, like for instance, you got the team like the Falcons, they restructure Matt Ryan, takes them out of the running for a quarterback. Maybe they draft a position player. You got to see how free agency unfolds. Some people who may have addressed needs in free agency, other teams who might ha have new needs because of cap casualties, because of the cap going down $20 million. Uh, you have players who had a, a, a an abbreviated truncated season this year because of the pandemic there's some guys who didn't have a season at all there's some guys who opted out so this entire draft process is just going to be fascinating to watch unfold and listen I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that the Giants are taking a skill position player now if by some chance all four of those guys are off the board do you deflect to a different position? Do you trade back and acquire more draft well, capital? At, at that point, at that point, I'd probably go with Rochelle and Slater. I'd go with the offensive tackle. I would go with the offensive tackle at that point. And I'd just bookend them. Bookend them. I know you signed, they re-signed Solder, but you know what? Solder could be your swing guy for now, for this year. I mean, I, there's, as far as a skill position player, after those four receivers, uh, you know, it, it's, it's probably Rashad Bateman, the kid out of, the wide receiver out of Minnesota. I mean, if you if you want to go with him, I mean, he's you know he's a big receiver, six two two ten, but you know but he'd probably be the next best thing. Or if you want to go, with a, the, I wouldn't get him Florida at eleven. Darius Tony, I don't know. I mean, you know, you, you, but I don't know. To me, at that point, maybe just take the offensive tackle. You might be better off. You well, be better I was off. actually I was actually thinking on the flip side that you can maybe trade that pick because if you get these teams like Atlanta who are not going to take the quarterback and these top guys end up falling further than expected, because let's be honest here, we don't know what the Jets are doing 
for all we know, the Jets are going to keep Sam Darnold and they're going to not, not draft a quarterback either. So by the time you get to the Giants at 11, there's some of these teams maybe in the late round saying, okay, hold up. These quarterbacks are still on the board past 10. Maybe we should think about moving up and taking one of these guys before they're off the board. And you get a team like the Giants who maybe had their eyes on a skill position player. Those skill position players are off the board. Those top four guys, Pitts, Waddle, Chase, and Smith. And they say, you know what? We're going to acquire capital. This team needs their quarterback. We could swing it and address the need later on. Uh, I, I do see Waddle dropping to the Giants. I, I think Waddle drops to the Giants. The way, the way you could look at, you know, not including any trades, but if the Jets take Zach Wilson, okay, they take him. If the Jets decide to trade to Sean Watson, then most likely the Texans are taking Zach Wilson, whether it be Zach Wilson or one of the quarterbacks they're going to take, whichever one they like more. Now, let's just say Zach Wilson. After that, you have the Dolphins. They have their quarterback. The and Falcons just, and just signed another one today with Brissett. The, the Falcons just just proved that, they, you know, they're going to be keeping Matt Ryan for the uh, – for the, for the next couple of years. So they're probably not taking a quarterback. So that Justin Fields more than likely drops. Trey Lance is still there. You know, then you have the Bengals. Obviously, they have Burrow. And I don't think they're taking a receiver. And I, unless they take Kyle Pitts. But to me, they have to take Sewell. They, yeah, have, they to have to take. They have to address the line. They have to have to address the offensive line because it got Burrow killed last year. Yeah. You know, then you, you see the Eagles. I could see the Eagles taking Devonta Smith. Or I could even see them taking Kyle Pitts. I could see them taking one of the two because I mean, they have Goddard there, but they're going to get rid of Ertz. They've already told Ertz to go seek a trade. So, you know, they're not going to have Ertz. Uh, look, looks like Ertz is going to get cut. Nobody even wants him. No, not at that price, though. Yeah. You know, then you come down to the Lions who have Jared Goff, but do they take a quarterback? If not, I get a funny feeling the Lions might take Micah Parsons, the Penn State linebacker. You know, they need a lot of help on defense. The they Lions. need a lot of help on defense. And now you come down to the Panthers. Panthers need, you know, are they going to be looking for a quarterback? The Panthers, they could be looking for, you know, uh, Justin Fields or or Trey Lance if they drop to him, you know, and they have Teddy Bridgewater there for one for one more season, right? So, and then you look at the Broncos, they got receivers. They just drafted Judy and Hamlin last year. They're not taking a receiver. And then after that, you got Dallas. Dallas certainly doesn't need a receiver. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking at probably Waddle dropping to the Giants. I, I could see Waddle being there for them. Now, whether or not they take him, I don't know. But I tell you the truth, if you got John Ross, Darius Slayton, and Sterling Shepard coming into that draft, you better damn well take a receiver if you're banking on this quarterback to have success. And this is a prove it year. And you know what? You can't wait. You got to give your quarterback a couple years, right? You can't make an impulsive decision right off the bat unless you're in a position like the Cardinals where you can clearly see that Josh Rosen wasn't the answer and you had the number one pick so you could afford to make that kind of move and go with Kyler Murray. But under normal circumstances, you have to give your quarterback probably I would say a three-year window minimum to really Absolutely. to really make a good decision as to whether or not he's your future. But one thing that makes that decision so much easier is you can't leave any room for doubt. You need to surround him with as much talent as possible because if he has the talent around him and there's still a question, that's your answer as to whether or not he's the guy. So you need to eliminate all doubt. You need to really solidify the offense and get him weapons. No question mark. You need somebody who stretches the field. Let's get John Ross. Well, eh, it's not really stretching the field. You're just getting a guy who – 
can barely play because he's always injured. And when he does play, he could just run 50 yards in a straight line. You're not really accomplishing anything. You need a you need a threat. You need a wide receiver who the Giants have not had. Yeah, Golden Tate, he's a nice piece, but it turned out to be a bad signing because he turned into a diva, right? Sterling Shepard, nice piece. Darius Slayton, nice late round find in the draft. Which one of these receivers are you game planning against if you're a defensive coordinator? Yeah, there are none. Look, if you're going to go to the prom, Andrew, if you're going to go to the prom, you don't want to be dressed up in cut-off jeans and a tank top with the ugliest girl in the school. If you're going to go to the prom, you want to go in a tuxedo with the prettiest girl in the school. And they need to dress up their offense. They need to put a tuxedo and a pretty girl on that offense because that's what the Giants need at this point right now. That's what they need. You know, you're going to, you're going to bank on Daniel Jones' success. You cannot give him John Ross. And I'm not even going to insert, insert, uh, insult Sterling Shepard because Sterling Shepard's a very good receiver in this league. He's a very good receiver. I like Sterling Shepard a lot. Darius Slayton is, is inconsistent. He's the type of guy that, you know what, he should, be on, he should be a fourth receiver on the field. That's what he really should be. He should not be that, you know, that second, third, even maybe, maybe a third option for them. But, you know, I, I just – I, they just have to get something. They have to get something else to help Daniel Jones out. If you're going to make this this critical year, look, it happened with with Josh Allen. They got they got him. They got him. Davon Diggs. Uh, Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs. I mean, so you know you've been doing out. you've been doing so good recently with the English language. I, I what know. happened? Well, I was thinking of his brother. <laughs> no, he does. He's got the isn't a brother on Dallas uh, Trayvon Diggs. That's cornerback. Yeah. That's his brother? Yeah, that's his brother. I think I'm almost sure that's his brother. Yeah. I think you might have made that up. No, I'm serious. Look it up. Look it up and then apologize. Oh, I'm, I'm almost <laughs> you're really I'm almost confident. Sure that, I'm almost sure that's his brother on Dallas. Yeah. It might be his brother from another mother. Oh, possibly, but it's still a brother somehow. No, you're right. He is. He's his biological I, brother. I know I know I am right. Come on now. But, but on, see, but that's my question, though. How do you say Tavon by accident when he's kind of uh, Trayvon by accident when he's I mean, I, Stephon I, is obviously I, the better you player. Know, you know why? You know why? Because I was looking at Dallas's draft and I'm looking at the um, uh, Patrick Satan in the in the in the tankathon. They have the mock drafts on there. Mm-hmm. I went in there just to see the whole draft order just so I could see who I think might take who. And they had Dallas taking Patrick Satan. And I'm thinking, all right, who else did they got back there? And I was thinking of Diggs. At the time, I'm saying why well, they got Diggs there. They lost Mike Hilton today. Uh, he signed with the Bengals, and I and that's why I just thought of that, that Diggs and that Stefan Diggs. But now is the other is the other Diggs related to Quadre uh, Diggs from Seattle? I don't think so. I'm not sure about him. I'm not sure about him. But you know, going back to that, you know, they they got him help. They got Baker Mayfield help. Look at the receivers. You know, they brought in Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, and although Odell Beckham didn't help them that much. He's still a threat. He's still Odell Beckham. You know, Jarvis Landry, they, they got receivers to help these quarterbacks out. And you know what? They flourished in their third year. So it's only right that you help out your quarterback here. You got to help them out. You're not building, you, you know, you, 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 your offensive line is still in question. He's still getting sacked numerous times. So, you know, you, you got to help him here. He needs help. And help him. It's not going to be right to him if, if this offensive line is still a huge question mark coming into the into the into the 2021 season, along with the, along with some of your offensive weapons, because you don't know what the hell Barkley's going to give you. 
You don't well, know who's going to give you. I think the main thing is that all of this falls on Gettleman because not only was Jones Gettleman's pick, but if there's any doubt as to whether or not Jones is the quarterback moving forward, whether it be because of his play or whether it be because of dysfunction around him, well, uh, both things fall on Gettleman. If it's Jones's fault, well, then it's Gettleman's fault because Gettleman picked him. If it's the rest of the team's fault that he didn't build a competent offensive line or give him complimentary pieces at the skill positions. Well, guess what? That's Gettleman's fault too, because he didn't draft and sign free agents properly. So this all falls on him, which is why I think this is the most critical year out of his tenure as general manager. And like you said, maybe the only thing that saves his job is if you really see Jones flourish, they draft well, they're able to supplement even more pieces. You know, they win a division playoff berth that'll be the only thing that could be a saving grace for him otherwise he's canned that's it and they're probably looking for a new quarterback if that's the case and let's not forget he wasted a third round pick in that supplemental draft two years ago to take sam beal who's never panned out he's been hurt and he opted out of the season last year so that was another third round pick right now that has not done anything has not contributed a thing to the giants it's a a first round pick on deandre baker and listen some of that stuff is out of his control but but it's still a blemish He moved up to get that first round pick. He moved, moved up, up in that first round to get DeAndre yeah. Baker. And, and listen, a, listen, we, we we see the details about the whole Baker situation and maybe he's innocent and, and he was cleared of any wrongdoing, you know, because of lack of evidence and lack of cooperation from from certain parties. But listen, at the end of the day, it, it's still a blemish on his resume. He moved up to take this guy and the guy is no longer on the on the team. So it's a wasted it's a wasted asset. But I'll tell you, I, I, you know, like everybody, every NFL fan does of their teams and, you know, just NFL fans in general, you know, you read scouting reports on these guys after, especially after they're drafted to your team. And I read a scouting report on DeAndre Baker, and I'll never forget it. It did say he's extremely immature. He's an immature player that needs to grow up. And there you go. So it didn't work out for them again. And again, he moved up in that. In that, when you're when you're moving up to getting back into that first round to take a player, you better damn well have conviction to take that player. Yeah, I mean, and you better you better damn well be right on this guy. You got to be no brainer. I got to be right because you're giving up another pick to move up into that first round to take this kid, and it wound up being a colossal bust. You know. Look, that's it. He's 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 got a lot to prove. That's for yeah, sure. I, look, the Leonard Williams trade. He, he looked like a buffoon when he first made it, but you know he 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 should be look. He he could do nothing more than to pay Leonard Williams whatever he wanted because Leonard Williams made him look smart. He yeah, owes well, Leonard Williams. A we lot. were talking about this. Leonard Williams bet on himself. He won, and yes. I think with the Giants losing out on Tomlinson and having him walk, you really didn't have a choice but to bring back Leonard Williams, whatever the price was. And if we need to surround the rest of the roster with some talent signing him long-term was able to give you flexibility, but at a favorable team price because it's only for three years. I wasn't going to give him a five-year contract because let's be honest, he bet on himself and he won. But are are we sold that last year's Leonard Williams is the player that he's going to continue to be for the long haul? In all honesty, he's still a young player. He's only, what, 25, 26 years old. I I think Leonard Williams is a hell of a player because I tell you the truth, even when they traded for him, although he wasn't getting the sacks, you know, I, you noticed you noticed him being on the field when he was on defense. You seen he was on the field, and although it wasn't it wasn't showing up in the box score as far on your own to the sack column, you seen that he was making an impact, Leonard Williams. So I, I, I like the contract. It's only three years, which is a, that's a it it works both you know for be, it works best for both the team and the and the player. Like I said earlier, because he could be a free agent again and when he's twenty nine years old and cash in again. And it works out for the Giants because you know what? 
if he's not that player, then they only have him for three years. So it works out for them. And I think that uh, you use a pretty good segue for what my next point was going to be when you talked about you may not be seeing the production in the sack column, but you can notice that he's on the field. And I think the same rings true for a guy that the Jets signed yesterday, and that's Carl Lawson from the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, five that was and a good half, pickup. Only five and a half sacks, but he was second in the league behind T.J. Watt, 32 quarterback hits, which yeah. goes to show you he's disruptive in the backfield yeah. on a lot, a lot of plays. So they bring in – the Jets bring in an edge rusher that they certainly need to be able to bolster that defense a little bit. They make another signing bringing in Corey Davis on a three-year, $37 million deal. Well – I'm going to get my take on, on Corey Davis. So I hear a lot of people complaining about it. A lot of people saying that it's a, it's a massive overpay. I don't think it's a massive overpay. I think it's a, I think it's an overpay, but I don't think it's a massive overpay, but you got to remember something. There's nobody that's out there on the free agent market that is going to willingly sign with the New York jets unless the money dictates their decision. And the jets have to do what they have to do. Again, this is not a long-term six-year commitment. It's a three-year deal for Corey Davis, who I think is a really good receiver. Has he panned out to what people expected him to be coming out of college? No. But this is a guy who put up a 900-yard season with the Tennessee Titans, a team that already has a number one receiver in A.J. Brown, who gets a majority of the targets, and B, is a run-happy offense, handing the ball to Derrick Henry 400 times a season. So, listen, Corey Davis is a good receiver, and what I think the Jets are doing – was they want to add as many weapons as possible to help whoever the quarterback is going to be on this roster, whether it's a prove-it year for Sam Darnold, whether it's a year for Zach Wilson, if they draft him second overall, who knows what route the Jets go. We've talked about it in the past. We don't know what they're going to do. But whoever is under center, they give them another weapon. Jamison Crowder has been a really good signing for the Jets. He's been one of the lone bright spots on that offense. Denzel Mims, he was banged up for a lot of last season, but when he did play, you saw something special in the kid. You bring in Corey Davis. All of a sudden, you don't have yourselves a you don't have yourself a, a bad one, two, three at wide receiver. Do they need more work on offense? Yeah, of course. But I don't think this is a massive overpay. And I hear people crying like this is this is the most ridiculous signing people have ever ever seen in their lives. Listen, we make fun of the Jets constantly, and, and rightfully so because they've been an absolute circus over the past 10, 20 years. This, I don't think, is one of those times where you can make fun of them. I think it's a good signing. I think it's going to help them. I really do. Well, look, you know, he's, he's like I said, he's a big, strong receiver, Corey Davis. And, you know, he, he's been a victim of the Titans taking him too early in that 2017 draft because the Titans, they took him fifth overall. You know, you look back at that draft, and he wasn't expected to go to middle to, you know, maybe late first round in that draft. So, you know, the Titans, you know, they, they, they took him a little too early in that draft. Uh, look, he, he, he's a good player. You know, he, he's, he's a good player. Now, here's when the Jeff fans will go crazy, Andrew. You know when the Jeff fans are going to go crazy. It depends upon what Kenny Galladay signs for. Because if Galladay gets anything close to what Corey Davis just got right now, that's when the Jet fan base is going to go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, bro. They're going to go, <laughs> go, they're gonna go cuckoo. Because they're all going to have wanted Galladay. And Galladay, but you know what? Galladay gotta... has to show he's healthy. You got to remember, yeah, I was going to say, Kenny Galladay is probably the most overhyped receiver who's ever stepped foot on a field. I mean, in all seriousness, he hasn't done anything. He's, he had 2,000 yard rece- re- receiving seasons, right? One in 2018, one in 2019. He's got gunslinger Matthew Stafford throwing the ball, who we've seen all the stats about him never having a 100 yard rusher. But basically had a 100-yard rusher, I think, four or five times in his whole entire career with the Lions. So he's throwing the ball all game long, 
And Galladay was a good threat in 2018 and 2019. He was hurt all year this year. 2017 was basically a, a non-factor in his rookie season. I think he had maybe 20, 25 catches all season. I mean, there's not a large enough sample size to warrant giving this guy top dollar. And I think that's part of the reason that the Lions didn't even want to put the franchise tag on him because at the number that the franchise tag is at, I don't think they saw it worth it with all the, with all the moves they need to make in order to build a successful team. Yeah, I, I mean, look, you know, Galladay's not a volume receiver. He's not a, he's not going to be the type of guy that's going to catch 100 and, 110 bowls a season. He's not going to he's not going to be that guy. You know, Galladay to me would be a Plexico Burris type for the Giants. And, and look, and is that the receiver the Giants need? Yes, the Giants need. First of all, the Giants need a receiver inside the red zone, whether it be a tight end or whether it be a a, a wide receiver. They need a big wide receiver. They need some sort of a big red zone weapon. The Giants don't have that. You know, the Giants basically mimic every receiver on that field. They're all they're all five foot nine, five foot ten. They're all 175, 180 pounds. You know, Evan Ingram's a tight end, but he's not a big tight end. He's more of like a slot receiver. I mean, you know, so he's not that big weapon that you need. And that's important. To me, the Giants should go out and sign a Gerald Everett, maybe even a Kyle Rudolph for that matter at this point right now. Get somebody that could have a little size you know, in the red zone for them. The Giants have lacked that. They've lacked that. They really have. And, and I'll tell you, going back to the Galladay, uh, you know, back to Galladay, uh, Andrew, you got to wonder if he's, if he's outpricing himself in this market right now. Because you would have thought that he probably would have signed by now. And I think he's asking for a hell of a lot more money because you know why? I think he's reading his own press clippings right now. You know, so, and, and I think teams don't value him as much as he might think he's valued. Well, look, the, Dol- the Dolphins could you re- use a receiver like him. Like, you know, Tommy had mentioned even, which was a good one too, the Ravens. You know, Ravens could use, imagine a re- Ravens bringing in, uh, um, bring him in, Galladay, to go with Marquise Brown and, you know, Andrews, the tight end. I mean, tr- that would be a hell of a fit. Yeah. They don't have that sort of receiver. There. They've they've never had that sort of receiver. They haven't no. since Anquan Bolden left. Yeah, and they had what they bring in Des Bryant last year. You know, they tried with him. You know, so they haven't had that receiver either. Yeah. So that's not a bad fit either. If the Ra- I don't you know I don't know what the Ravens cap space is now after the last couple of days, but you know, so I, and again, I, I'm I'm telling you, I wouldn't be shocked if Galladay doesn't get the money he's everybody's expecting him to get, and he comes in at almost uh you know a um a Corey Davis type contract, or maybe Galladay goes the one year route and says, okay, I'll have to prove I'm healthy and I'll come back at, at it again next year and see, and see what happens. Well, you got to bet. Sometimes you got to bet on yourself. The money is being spent, but the wide receiver market specifically is not moving. No, I mean, we've seen some signings, right? Uh, obviously Nelson Aguilar, good player to the Patriots, Kendrick Bourne, another signing the Patriots made. Yeah, but these are all right. Marvin Jones. These, yeah. Right. You, you, the big guy, the, the T.Y. Hilton's, I know that A.J. Green, you're ne- you've never been high on, but no. he's a, big, a bigger Green's, name receiver. He's, he's an afterthought at this point. T.Y. Hilton, too, another one. They can't stay healthy, those guys. You know, Sammy Watkins, not even any rumblings of him signing. Juju, no rumblings of him signing. So John Brown's another guy that was released by the Bills. You know, I, I've always liked John Brown and I like Watkins, man. If, when they're healthy, but when they're healthy, that's the problem. They produce. Curtis Those Samuel, produce. another another player who you have, haven't heard any whispers about signing. Who, Emmanuel Sanders? Curtis Samuel. Oh, Curtis Samuel, yeah. Well, he's a smaller type receiver again. 
not the type of guy the Giants need. I mean, listen, he he's a good receiver. He's solid. You know, he he he's a playmaker because you could even put him in the backfield, Curtis Samuel. So, you know, but for the Giants, he's a playmaker. But the, again, I like to see the Giants get a receiver with size, but there's really nobody out there but Galladay. So, and even if they take somebody in the draft, I mean, Waddle's not a big receiver. Well, Alan you know, Lazard is a free agent. Yeah, they got no interest in Lionel Lazard, though, huh? Six, six foot five, 220. I know, he's, a big he's dude. just so inconsistent, though, man. And if you can't succeed with Aaron Rodgers, and he had chances to succeed with Aaron Rodgers, they actually had John Brown going to the Packers, I was reading in one article, which wouldn't be a bad fit. But again, he's got to, you got to stay healthy. You can't be on the field every other game or, you know, on the field one game and then you're out for the next four. John I, Brown, Sammy Watkins, they're all the same. They I can already. Tremendous receivers have to healthy. I can already picture John Brown catching a 60-yard touchdown on a free play from Aaron Rodgers now that you said oh, 100%. that. Oh, <laughs> 100%. 100%. But again, he, he can't stay healthy. You know, he just can't. And these so, guys, when, when they're injured, they're injured, Andrew. You know, they're, they're injured, they're injured. They're oh, yeah. It's nagging injuries that keep him out for five, six weeks. You know, how many times over the past six, seven years have we seen uh, A.J. Green miss half the season with turf toe or, yeah. or something like that you know ankle foot toe. yeah I mean, high ankle sprain turf toe yeah hamstring it's all the same I mean, we got, into, long, the, we got into the jets a little bit but the jets still haven't done anything to try and get their uh offensive line in order but you know you look at some of these offensive linemen what they signed for you know zeitler got a contract from the from the ravens after the uh after the giants released him and he got a 22 million dollar uh, contract 16 million dollar guaranteed you know, the uh, the Chargers, who also needed offensive linemen, went out and signed uh, – they signed uh, um, uh, uh, the Packers center, Lindsay, Corey Lindsley. So they got him. They brought him in on a big deal. But they – you know, again, this is another team that needs – they even signed your guy, uh, Fyla, the guard from, from Pittsburgh, from the Steelers. Very, so, very upset about that because he's a fine, yeah, fine lineman. But then you look at what Thune got. From the Chiefs, it's crazy for a guard. And that's another thing that I brought up to you and Tommy the other day. I said, you get a team like the Chiefs, who won a Super Bowl two years ago, were in the Super Bowl against this year, gave their quarterback a $500 million extension, and yet they can go out and get the top dog on the offensive line market and sign up to five years, $80 million. Yet the Giants, who have won 18 games in four years, are cutting their best lineman be, to get on to, to become cap compliant. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. But now that they're saying that Dooney could probably pay one of the tackle positions, they think they could switch over. So well, both of the tackles are gone. Schwartz and Fisher. Well, they, that's what I was going to say. They cut both of them. They're going to they need a tackle. So you know, look, it, it, it they're paying Dooney as a tackle. They're not paying him as a guard. I tell you that. That's way too much money for a guard. Yeah. And although Dooney's been he's been terrific. Guy doesn't take penalties. Guy doesn't miss a game. He's reliable. You know, he, he's always rated high by pro football focus. So, you know, they gave him a guarantee of uh, $48 million. I mean, you know, it's an $80 million contract. Fully guaranteed is 32.5. But they could bring it up to $48 million with guarantees on that contract. So, you know, you don't see guards get, get that kind of money all that often, to be honest with you. But, um, you know, the Jets haven't done anything really in, in free agency. You know, you, with all the cap space that they that they have, you got to wonder what the fan base is, is thinking. Well, it's and, like I said before, it's what it comes down to for that front office is I think they're, they're, they're going to take calculated risks with who they're overpaying because anybody that they sign is going to have to be an overpay. No one is going to be signing there willingly unless the money dictates their decision. And so I think they're just picking and choosing who they want to overpay for. And I think so far, 
Corey Davis was the guy that they wanted to overpay for. I mean, Carl Lawson, same thing. Well, okay, so let's look at it this way. Do you think maybe they're saving cap space in case of a Deshaun Watson trade? Are they are they still pondering that? I mean, it could be, but yeah. uh, you know, as far as um, you know, they they could still make it work. And again, I, I said this before: the salary cap and the ins and outs of it is is something that's way above both uh, both of our pay grade. I mean, it's right. just so much, so many intricacies. And Watson's cap hit isn't that isn't that big. But this that's year. that's what I was going to yeah. say. His cap hit is not that bad. So I think if they wanted to go out and sign whoever they please, they could still do it while making a Watson trade and then maneuver their way around it. Have they could have a lot of maneuverability? One of your signature words down the road. <laughs> now you, you look at the Texans who signed Tyrod Taylor today and they paid Tyrod Taylor. Like he's going to be almost a starter because they gave him $12 million. Yeah. You don't give a backup $12 million. So they gave the same amount of money to Tyrod Taylor that the saints gave to Jameis Winston. And what is Jameis Winston going to be on the saints next year? The starting quarterback. Bill's so, just made a nice sign. They just signed Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah. That was One a nice signing deal. for them. I mean, to Listen, go along with Sanders, Gabriel Davis. Sanders, he's better than, years he's better old. than John Brown. He'll stay healthy. 34 years old. He's still a reliable yeah. receiver. He, he really was good is. last year for Drew Brees. I got to tell you, he, I, and you know, I love Emmanuel Sanders. He was a former Stealer. That's where yeah. he, that's where he got his start. He was just, yeah. he, he's just, he's been the same receiver his entire career. He's just a reliable, reliable yeah. guy. But we'll go back to the, to the, to the Texans. And, you know, look, we, we said it last Last episode also, these superstars, what they get what they want. I mean, I'm, I, I've been of the ilk to say there's got to be one owner at one point that's just got to stare him down and say, you're not going anywhere. You're staying here. Deal with it. You want to sit out? That's fine. We're not going to pay you. You're not going to get paid. But you're going to do it our way now. There's got to come a point where one owner is going to do this one day, but nobody's done it. <laughs> nobody's done it with any superstar in any of these leagues. They always get what they want now. Where Watson goes, to me, it's look. It makes most sense if it's the Dolphins or if it's the Jets, because that's where the draft capital is at. And look, if it's the Jets, the Texans are not taking Sam Donald back. That's for sure. They're not taking him back because he'd be going into a fifth-year contract. What are they going to do? Keep him for one year? Doesn't pay. So they're not going to be taking Donald back in any deal. That's not going to happen. It's going to be nothing but draft capital maybe a player or whatever off the roster. And the only other team is the Dolphins with the draft capital, and they got the quarterback in Tua. And like I said before, signed Brissett too. And signed Jacoby Brissett. But, you know, Brissett could be a backup to Watson. You know, he could be he, – he was a backup to Andrew Luck. He, so he, he could be a backup. He could be a backup to, to Tua. He could be a backup to Watson if he were to get traded there. So, you know, I, I don't know, but – like I said, the Texans, they better hope that the Jets and the Dolphins are interested in the deal because if they're not, then they're screwed. Then they get they get nothing to what they, they thought they were going to get for him. You know what? I just – I've maintained the same thought all along. Tell them – call Deshaun Watson into your office and say, shut the hell up, you're playing. And there is literally no, – I mean, let's let's be honest – there is nothing that Deshaun Watson can do about it. Nothing. No, he's got no leverage. He's got zero leverage, and yet we act, and not me and you, but the 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 industry as a whole acts as if the players hold the card. They don't. You're under contract. If you don't play, you don't get paid. And guess what? You're going to be, if you decide to sit out and not get paid, you're also wasting prime years of your football career. If you want to move on to bigger and better things, that's, that's your prerogative. But you're under contract with this team. Shut up and play. Simple. 
The Texans the have box. all the leverage, all the leverage in the world. And it, it, it's, it's mind-boggling to me that people think that the, the players hold the leverage when they don't. The, 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 the players have the leverage because teams always give in. They give in. They don't have the cojones to stand up and tell these guys what they what right. they should be telling them. And that's suit up and play. And ha- how many games did the Texans win last year? Four. So listen, it's the old theory. It's, uh, you know, Ralph Kiner always tells the story. Hey, he went in for a raise. He told his ownership, hey, listen, I led the league in home runs. They said, where did we finish? He goes, last. They said, well, we could finish last without you. So, you know, what's the difference? What's the difference? You won four games with Deshaun Watson, who had a career year, had a f- fantastic year. And you won four games. So if he sits out, he sits out. The only thing with the Texans is they have no draft capital over the next couple of years. That's what screws them. Yeah. That's if it wasn't what for the mistakes them. of Bill O'Brien, so what, they might what have you, a little more leverage. Right. So what are you building around him? You know, what, what exactly are you building around Deshaun Watson at this point? They signed Mark Ingram. I mean, you know, you know they, they lost Will Fuller. You know, they have Brandon Jacobs there. Uh, you know, I mean, Kiku Kuti, you know, I mean, you know, there's not, there's not much there for Deshaun Watson. And he sees that he's not stupid. He's not stupid. He sees, Hey, listen, there's that, but you know what? You signed the contract. You signed that contract. You lost your leverage. Well, and that's the thing that, that is so just infuriating to me because there is nothing about this Texans organization that was different from what it was the time that he signed the contract. So what changed? All the same people were in place when you when you started to voice displeasure with the organization. All the same people were in place. Why didn't you voice those concerns when they threw money in your face and signed to do a contract? You didn't have any problem with it. So what's the issue now? Yeah. And no, if anything, they're, they're, they're trying to bring new people in and right the wrongs of, of everything that went poorly with the dysfunction of the old regime. So they're trying to make steps in the right direction. Well, and that's the thing, happening. right? You, you, you got you to gotta put the past in the past. It's a new regime now. So, you know, move forward with it. But again, if, if they had draft capital, I think Deshaun Watson would feel a little bit more secure. But he sees that they don't. I mean, listen, if you agree to a trade to go to the Jets, that's how desperate you are to get out of there. I mean, you know, think about that. Right. So, you know, I mean, what their True. organization is any more competent? I think with Joe Douglas there, it certainly helps him out because I think Joe Douglas is going to do a good job. You know, so, you know, he showed that he's competent, Joe Douglas. I mean, it's not, that's not Mike McCagney or, or the other guy, uh, forget his name, prior to McCagney. Uh, uh, Idzik, John Idzik. Idzik, yeah. So, you know, but, you know, you, we could get into the Patriots a little bit because we were going back and forth on, on this last night too. And I tell you, you look at the Patriots page of free agent signings. I mean, look, free agency is always nice. We said this last year, last week when you want to supplement your roster, but it looks like Belichick is trying to build a roster through free agency right now. He's going absolutely ballistic. Yeah. And I think he thinks there's going to be a shortage on tight ends at some point in life because he went out and signed John Smith and Hunter Henry and gave them both a hell of a lot of money. A year after drafting two tight ends. Yeah. He took Asi, Asi and Keen last year, you know? So, I mean, and Asi, Asi, I thought was, you know, be okay, but listen, I, look, there was no training camps last year. I think, look, we were going back and forth on this last night on text, but you and Tommy with Cam Newton. Is Cam Newton the MVP camp? No, he's certainly not. He, he's not that player. But I think Cam Newton with, with some weapons around them could be okay. I think, I think Brady winning a Super Bowl 
set Belichick off because this isn't the Patriot way. This is far from what the Patriots do. Far from it. They've given out more guaranteed money. They gave out more guaranteed money at the end of the day yesterday, Andrew, than they have in the last 10 years combined. So think about that. I mean, some of their signings, uh, Algalor, all right, he's okay. Kendrick Bourne, I love. I think Kendrick Bourne's an underrated receiver. He, you know, he's Swiss Army knife, as Tommy likes to put it. You know, he plays some special teams. He could play slot. He could play outside. Good, dependable receiver. Is he great? No, but he's a third receiver, fourth receiver. You know, that's what he is. And then you go out and you sign Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, and you got to think, you know, they're trying to resurrect Gronkowski and the late Aaron Hernandez. I mean, by going with these two guys. My opinion still remains. They are not winning anything with Cam Newton playing quarterback. Is he the MVP Cam? No. Is he a competent quarterback? No, I don't think he is. I mean, uh, I think he's a competent quarterback. He showed that before, before he had gotten the COVID. Uh, is he going to put a team on his back? Like, he no, but to? no, he didn't he's show not. that he was a competent quarterback. He showed that he could run around a little bit. He never he, once he, had any success. He, ran, he a had nothing there. He had nothing there. Andrew, he didn't even have Edelman there. He got no receivers. He had nothing. He didn't even have a training camp with these guys. So I, I want to see Cam another year under his belt with New England under a Josh McDaniel system with some competent players, which they look like they have now with John U. Smith, Hunter Henry, Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne to go with, you know, but maybe listen, a healthy I, Edelman. I know that the Chargers have Keenan Allen, but besides that, I mean, you had Justin Herbert throwing a ball to three undrafted free agents and a seventh round pick well, at wide receiver, and he looked they had just Mike, fine. Mike Williams, Mike Williams is a good receiver. They still had Hunter uh, Henry. Mike Williams is okay. Now Mike Williams is a good receiver. He's a good receiver. He's not great. He's a good receiver. You know, he, he's he's just a he's a big receiver. You could get downfield with some speed. He's a physical receiver. You know, they had Hunter Henry. They had Ekelair. They had uh, uh you know, well, Ekelair missed the whole season a, pretty much. They only well, played he did, four, but five when he games. came back, it was dump off city to Ekelair. He was catching 15 balls a game. So, you know, their running game, their running game wasn't horrendous with Joshua Kelly and Josh Jackson. You know, they weren't, they weren't terrible there. So, I mean, look, I, I just, I just feel New England, <laughs> Belichick is set off by Brady winning the Super Bowl, but I'm just shocked at what they did. I'm shocked at the way he went about this. I really, really am. I'm shocked. Uh, it's surprising that he's devoting that much, that much money in free agency. And it's not like he's just signing, you know, nobody's off the street. I mean, these are big names. Hunter Henry, John R. Smith, Matthew yeah. Judon. I mean, he's signing big name players. They brought in like. Trent Brown on a trade, offensive yeah. tackle. Yep. You know, they, they signed Matt Judon, who was one of the better edge rushes out there. You, you know, so, I mean, look, he, he's, look I, I don't, he's looking to just build a roster through free agency. Look, they, there's going to be a price to pay. But it, it leads me to believe, Andrew, that I think Belichick probably sees himself another year or two away from not coaching anymore. Yeah, I could see, I could see that. I could see that. He's probably just trying to throw stuff at the wall and see if it's going to stick. Why not? Because And listen, and I said this to you last night, as much as I totally disagree with the fact that the Patriots are going to be any good, because I, I just, I don't, especially not with Newton playing quarterback, but it's not going to make me think any less of Bill Belichick's legacy. I think his legacy is sealed. I mean, he's one of the greatest coaches of all oh, time. Oh, no, yeah, but he still has an time. ego. He's got an ego, but he still has the Brady one now. Right, but I don't think it's going to – I don't think people are going to – I don't think people are going to judge him too harshly if he's not able to win because I think people see it for what it is. People see the Patriot situation for what it is. Listen, 
Brady looks a hell of a lot better than Belichick does right now because he was able to go to Tampa Bay and he was able to still win. Now, granted, he had a very, very talented team around him. Oh, and yes. Bill Belichick did yes. not have that talented of a team no. that he was coaching last season. But, you know, I think everybody can agree that the both of them just – it was like peanut butter and jelly. They, they just worked perfectly together. And I don't think you're ever going to see a coach-slash-quarterback tandem that's going to be able to do the things that Belichick and Brady did. They were just both equally well, put, just brilliant. Put Bruce Arians, put Bruce Arians and some of those Patriot teams. Is Bruce Arians winning Super Bowls with those teams? Even with Tom Brady quarterbacking. It's a question we'll never really know the answer to, to be no, honest. No, it's hypothetical, him. but look, the answer is probably not. Maybe he wins one. You know, Belichick coaches up every facet of that roster. Right, but you also don't know if maybe, maybe you know, the, the, again, this is all hypothetical. There's no definite answer, but the teams would probably be constructed a little bit different if Arians was there because a lot of these guys... No, no, you no know, I'm just we, saying hypothetically, if it's, the same, if it's the same roster that Belichick had, and some of those, listen, look at some of those rosters that he had offensively. With the exception of Randy Moss that one year when they lost the Super Bowl <clears throat> to the Giants, um, so they didn't have a hell of a lot of talent. They were using Troy Brown, David Patton. I mean, think about it. You know, uh, they had Wes Welker. I mean, they had the tight ends, but, you know, they didn't have big – they didn't have uh, – um, uh, they were using guys – they were taking LeGarrette Blount off the scrap heap. I mean, LeGarrette Blount was a good running back, but they didn't have superstars there. Even their offensive line, they never spent premium picks on an offensive lineman. Look at – you go back and look at their draft and their offensive lineman – these guys, a lot of them are fifth, sixth, seventh round picks. It's actually, it's they actually need- the, it's actually the exact opposite. I think if you see the some of the highest paid offensive linemen in, in NFL history, are people who left the New England Patriots, signed yes. elsewhere, and you never heard from them ever Nate again. Solder. <laughs> Nate Solder, Nate Solder, right? Nate Solder, now Thune. I mean, yeah. you look at some, yeah, and then they they all left and they stunk. Yeah, they they weren't good at all. They weren't good at all. So it's all coaching. So. That's why I say that's that's why I say that, you know, but I think part of it has to do, too, is is they may not be the most talented guys in the world, but he still has a keen eye for talent. And that's why I think that there's. Pair it because I think that the team would be constructed differently, because I just think that Belichick just has such a keen eye for hidden talent that other coaches wouldn't have even found. And he deserves credit for doing that, too. I think he's able to coach guys up to their potential, and he's also able to find some guys that no one is even paying attention to. He's just a genius. There's no other way to put it. And, no, and I don't think his legacy no is soured in any way by them not being able to win. And I listen, we, we I, I just had this think conversation. What he did, what, what he did I, I think what, what he did yesterday and today, it's signaling me that Belichick probably only has maybe maybe two or three more years in him to coach. And then I think he's done. And I think he's done. And I think he – I don't know if he stays within the game at all. I mean, maybe. But – you know, I actually, I, I, think just, I think he walks away. I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying there's validity to it, but I did read a little, uh, an interesting conspiracy theory on the internet. And, okay. uh, you remember that big, um, it's like a bombshell article that got published. I, I want to say it was probably around 2015 and it was basically talking about the rift within the Patriots front office between Brady Kraft, and Belichick. And it basically said that, um, you know, Be- Belichick wanted to keep Garoppolo around and Kraft yes. didn't, right? 
And yes. so they were at odds. And then so what Belichick did was he basically just called up the 49ers and said, here, take Garoppolo, give us a sixth round pick. And they, he basically took a, a crappy package in return. Well, he took a second round pick, I think, for Garoppolo, right? Second was, round pick, was it? I don't know what it was, yeah. but it definitely wasn't as much as they could have gotten for Garoppolo. Right. He yeah, because he was pissed off he was, Belichick. He was pissed off at Kraft, yeah. and, and he was friends with Kyle Shanahan, so he did right. him a favor. Or he's friends with Mike Shanahan, I should say. Mike so Shanahan. he did his son Kyle a favor. So anyway, I read it. It was a theory that says, hey, I, I, Belichick, I think, is brought back Cam Newton on purpose. He saw how the team was lacking at the quarterback position last year, and instead of working to improve it, he's ignoring it just to show Robert Kraft that he he was not valuing the quarterback position the way that he that he should have been because Belichick was always thinking ahead and saying hey we know that we have the best in the world in Tom Brady but at a certain point it's going to end and we have the future guy waiting in the wings and you just want to get rid of him so he's kind of you know sliding craft and kind of sticking it in his face and saying see I was right because look at where we are now our guy is winning super bowls with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and we're stuck in, in purgatory right now because of your ineptitude it's just food for thought I mean, yeah, but, you know, he did win a Super Bowl with Brady anyway after they traded Garoppolo. So that's, I mean, look, that that's an Oliver Stone movie right there, that theory. I don't know. And I'm not sure about that. But the way I look at it. I mean, know, but think about it, though. We yeah. just talked about how much of an ego Belichick has. Would you would you put it past a guy like Belichick to do something like that? Yeah, you're not wrong about that. I can't say it, you're wrong about that. It's, but, you it's know, interesting, you know. You, you you wonder you wonder if Tommy's guy and I and I was talking about this with Tommy during the week if Tommy's guy is there at fifteen for the Patriots and Matt Jones if the Patriots draft him because he would be he would look like the perfect Patriot quarterback to be honest with you yeah well Tommy did well he he prefaced it by saying that no one will ever be Tom Brady right but he but says he, that Mac Jones reminds him of Brady and so he's a student can, of the game too and he, if they can yeah. even get an inkling of Brady in there you you would think that that would be the prototypical. Patriots quarterback, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It really, it wouldn't shock me. You know, and here's the thing too. Where are the Patriots picking 15, correct? 15. Yeah. If let's say the Carolina Panthers drafted Mac Jones at 15 and they might, but, but think about it. Think about it. If the, if the Panthers were to draft Mac Jones at the 15th spot or, or any team, let's say the Cleveland Browns or the Chicago bears, they draft him at number 15 and people would ridicule them. If the Patriots drafted Mac Jones at 15, just because it's the Patriots, people would say, Oh shit, look out. The same thing happens with the Yankees, Andrew. We see it all yeah. the time. Yeah. You know, you, we, you, 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 you sent that the other day about the Yankees starting rotation being like one of the top five in baseball. And we all and I told you, I said, it's the Yankees. They're going to be the top five in every category, no matter what. Right. That's right. just the way it is. Yep. That's just they're always overrated. So, you know, that's just the way it is. So, I mean, yeah. So we had, you know, we, we, we had we had an exciting couple of days with with free agency. So basically, you know, we're, we're still waiting for guys like Kenny Galladay to come off the board. Well, speak for yourself. Exciting. I mean, I had to see my team cut guys and watch uh, uh, five or six well, free agents myself, leave other teams. The Giants didn't sign anybody of significance. They signed Leonard Williams, which I was happy about. But after that, it was Devontae Booker and John Ross and, and some some fullback from the Texans that failed his physical a couple of days ago. Three that, more that guys. Gettleman three more guys. Thought, and, you know, I'm going to bring him in. That's three more guys than the Steelers signed and four less guys that you lost than the Steelers did lose. I mean, Dupree. Well, which, look, by the way, we said I, need this. To, I need to talk about the ineptitude of some NFL GMs for a second. One, Mike Mayock. And two, and I'm blanking on who the GM for the Tennessee Titans is. If it comes to mind, I'll, I'll say it. 
But Mike Mayak, I'll start with. For, he cuts Rodney Hudson today. Right, I saw that. It doesn't save them any money to the cap. He counted for $12 million against the cap. By cutting him, he counts for $14 million in dead cap. And he's a good center, Rodney Hudson. If you look at the, if you look at the metrics, I mean, he's been one of the, the top two centers in all of football for the past five, six seasons. So cutting him doesn't do anything against the cap. It's, it's mind-boggling to me. The second thing was the Tennessee Titans. They signed Bud Dupree last night. And listen, it's a big chunk of change, especially when, when the cap is going down and he's coming off an ACL tear. So I know a lot of people it raised some eyebrows that Dupree got that much money. But it's a good move. I mean, Bud Dupree is a really good player. But they signed Bud Dupree. Then they turn around. They cut Adoree Jackson. They cut Malcolm Butler. And they cut Kenny Vaccaro. So you bring yeah. in Bud Dupree and then you, you, you release the rest of your defense. What progress are you making? Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. And, and you know, the, the Titans wanted to show up their, their, their uh, you know, their, um, their pass rush, you know, by bringing in, by bringing in Dupree there. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, look, you still have more free agents out, that are out there. You have the draft coming up. And again, you know, when, you, when you're in this sort of salary cap world where the cap dropped about 15 to $20 million from what it should have been, these are the type of cuts you're going to have. That's why there's still going to be Balkans out there because a lot of guys are still getting, getting cut. Now, like you just said, look at Rodney Hudson. You know, one of the better centers in the game. You know, he's the type of guy, somebody's going to scoop him up. Yeah. Somebody's going to scoop him up. And you're seeing how the market is for offensive linemen. I mean, Corey Lindsley got a big payday. Joe Thune yes. got a big payday. So he's yes. going to get a job right away. He may he's not get, get top dollar because he's a little older. but He'll he's, be signed he's by a, tomorrow probably. Yeah, he won't be looking for a job for long. Absolutely not. No, it's certainly not. And then you have old Fitzmagic taking his act to Washington. Yep. <laughs> so, look, you know, they, they already said that he's going to be the starter, you know, it's, and it's Hanky's, you know, Hanky will be the backup. But, uh, look, it's not a bad spot for Fitzpatrick, actually, to play for one more year. Basically, it replaces what Alex Smith did there. So, you know, Washington, you know, they, they'll 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 see what they got in Hanky, and they'll use Fitz, Fitz uh Patrick as a stopgap. Well, and they could now, be competitive. You know, I mean, they just they just won a division last year with Alex Smith, who's more of a game manager. Fitzpatrick's going to sling it around. They have weapons. Antonio Gibson had a really good season. Terry McLaurin, I think, is one of the best receivers in the game. Decent offensive line, really good defense. I mean, they can win some games with Fitzpatrick. They can. Now, you speak about GMs, and you got to wonder what the hell they're doing in Chicago. I mean, why not just bring Trubisky back? You're signing Andy Dalton, $13 million. Who knows? Where does that well, make sense? You, you heard the report today that they were they were putting together a really big package for Russell Wilson, which we yeah, spoke of, and then Seattle came out and said that they're not trading Russell Wilson. So, Look, if they had a top five pick, maybe, because then maybe Seattle could draft their quarterback. But if they're not, if they, Seattle's not getting a quarterback in, in return, or they don't have the opportunity to draft a quarterback, then what the hell is the sense for them to even make that trade, no matter what the hell the Bears are offering for, for Russell Wilson at that point? And you also hear reports that Seattle's enamored with Sam Donald. <laughs> so, you know, but, uh, you know, it just look, all this Russell Wilson stuff came about within the last couple of weeks. I, I just couldn't see it happening at all. I mean, you heard some whispers here and there. But, you know, first of all, he's got a no-trade clause. He only approved the trade to three different or four different teams – Two of them now being actually, there's only really the Bears that are left to be traded to, but you know the Raiders have a, uh, a car, but they're not gonna, 
and the Cowboys. Well, they don't have enough draft capital Prescott. either. Yeah. They don't have enough draft capital either. So unless they give them car back and then give them draft capital, but I mean, at that point, you know, what are you going to do? You know what? Just appease Russell Wilson, get him a running game, get him an offensive line, and and take it from there. I mean, look, Chris Carson, I said was good, but he's leaving. He's a free agent. There's rumors of Leonard Fournette going there, which would really, really help. That would really help. Carson could never stay healthy there. Never no. stay healthy. And they got to get him an offensive lineman if they have the cap space. That's the whole, that's the bottom line. You and that's, you can't get Russell Wilson killed again. Yeah. And, and they've fallen short. And that's why, that's why I thought it was wise to at least engage and see what the market was like, because they don't have the, the resources to be able to improve the team around him. Right. They've given up draft capital to supplement with Jamal Adams. You know, that they're, they're a good enough team where they're not having high first round picks. So now the picks that they, do possess aren't even appealing to be able to get a trade done to, to get any more guys. So they're just kind of, they're stuck in limbo. And that's why I thought it was wise for them to gauge the market. But look, unless you're getting a Herculean package in return, you're not going to trade a guy like Russell Wilson. That's why ultimately I didn't see it happening from the very beginning, but you know, so Chicago, you know, turns to the next best thing, I guess. And that's uh, Andy Dalton. <laughs> okay. So, so we have some, some offensive players here left on the list. And I'm going to ask you who you think, where you think they're going. You ready? Is this what is this what the people back home call a rapid fire? Somewhat of a rapid fire, okay. unexpected fire. How's that? Oh, I like that. Okay. <laughs> and I'll even give you a couple of defensive guys that have some big names to them that maybe you could. All right. So Kenny Galladay. We'll start with him. Oh, that's a tough one. Kenny Galladay. I'm going to say the Giants. Really. <laughs> No, I'm joking. You're trying just, to get on my good I, side. Yeah, I, no, I just thought that that was gonna that, that was gonna get you annoyed because you were trying to put a uh, put to sleep all those rumors before. Um, Kenny Galladay. Uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna say Miami for yeah. Kenny Galladay. Get to yeah, a weapon. I mean, you I got talent Miami on that team for sure. All right, you know what? The next ranked guy is actually the Jadavion Clowney. God, so overrated, Jadavion Clowney. He, he certainly is, but he's a guy that, you know, you know, at certain times he could affect the game. He could disrupt it. You know what? With the way things are going, maybe he signs with the Arizona Cardinals because they seem to get a bunch of former Houston Texans on former their Houston team. Houston Texan players, right? Pair him up with J.J. Watt on the defense. Yeah, bring him back to J.J. Yeah, bring him back to J.J. <laughs> Watt again. Yeah. Why not? And how about Yannick Ngakwe? Four teams in the last seven months. Yeah. This is a guy that's supposed to be valued as an edge rusher, and he's been on four teams in the last seven months? You know, I've never thought of Ngakwe as being that good. He's another guy. I mean, he's he's only had above nine sacks in a season once. And, I mean, nine sacks is a good number, but the only year he had it over nine sacks was the year where he's playing in Jacksonville where Calais Campbell had, like, 16 and a half sacks. He's playing on the best defense in football. Yeah, he's not really – he's a good edge rusher. He's a good edge rusher. That's it. I, I don't really get too much of the hype surrounding him. But I thought now, that the Raiders got him for a friendly deal. I think they paid him probably yeah, they, what they his market value is. they got him for a good deal, is. the Raiders. They yeah. got him for a good deal. But, all right, so now, here's an interesting guy. And he's an interesting guy because I don't think he's going to get – I think he's not going to get anything more than a one-year prove-it deal because he's coming off the PED suspension at the end of the year. He's suspended for the first week of the season, and that's Will Fuller. Now, Wolf Fuller is a guy that could be a game-breaker, easily a game-breaker. But another guy, injury-prone, 
But do teams shy away from him and not give him a contract based on what his talent level uh, talent level is, but they give him a contract based on the fact of, all right, you have to prove it to us. You had a PED suspension last year. So does he get a one-year deal? Where does Will Fuller go? Um, that's a good question, too. I tell you, he wouldn't be a bad guy for the Giants to take a flyer on if it was a one-year deal, man. No, nah, he wouldn't because he's certainly a very good receiver when he's on the field. He's a very good receiver when he's on the field. And he's the type he's of guy 20, who – He's only 27. He's the type of guy who, when you talk about stretching the field, he stretches the field, but he's not a one-dimensional threat like John Ross is. He, he could do a lot of things well, Will Fuller. I don't think he's a number one, but he's no. certainly a very good receiver. Um, you know what I think would be a good fit? San Francisco. I think San Francisco would be a good fit for Will Fuller. They have the tight end and Kittle. Well, don't forget Debo they got Samuel. Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. I mean, you're going to – I think, gonna, I think Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, they're, they're, they got different body types, but I think they bring similar skill sets to the table. I think Ayuk is more of a – is going to be more of a slot guy. Debo Samuel can play the outside, but they use him a lot in, you know, doing the jet sweeps and stuff like that. I think Will Fuller can provide you with a legitimate deep, deep threat on that team. I think it would kind of complete their offense a little bit, to be honest with you. But I would have to look at what San Francisco's cap situation is and if they can even swing it. Um, and that's the thing, you know, with, with, this, with the salary cap going down, I mean, you just – there might be teams who you don't expect to be in salary cap hell that are, you know, hence the conversation we've been having with the Giants. So I'm not even sure of what teams could even swing it. But off the top of my head, San Francisco I think would be a good fit. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of who else that they could – could be a good receiver you know maybe the Colts looks like they're not going to bring back T.Y. Hilton yeah and match him up with Pittman there um I had them in mind a little bit I had two other teams in mind one of them being being the Lions step in take the replace of Kenny Galladay and the other one was the Panthers yeah match him up alongside DJ Moore wouldn't be a bad fit certainly wouldn't be a bad fit you know what? Somebody's you know going to get a gets... bargain. Somebody's going to get a bargain on Will Fuller. I get a feeling. I and I was just going to bring that up. I could see him maybe signing with Kansas City too. Somehow Kansas City oh swings boy. it on a one-year deal, incentive-based deal. Look, he goes to Kansas City. That would be un- unreal. I mean, you take away you Watkins, but you replace him with Fuller next to Tyree Kill, next to Travis Kelsey. Yeah. You get him on a one-year yeah. deal that's purely incentive-based. Fuller bets on himself before his age twenty-eight season. I think it makes sense for both it doesn't sides. Look, it doesn't look like oh, look. Demarcus Robinson is is what he is. He, you know, he's a journeyman receiver. But you know, I the, the one guy who I thought was going to develop over, you know, especially last year, would have been McCole Hardman, and he just never developed into that player. They never really used him much either. He wasn't on the field a lot, and I thought he was going to be that guy. I thought he'd be the guy to step into, you know, the, the, the role that Watkins stepped into. And then after he was hurt, Hardman would step in for Watkins when he got hurt. And he'd step in for Demarcus Robinson. And, and Hardman just never elevated his game. He was another guy, very inconsistent. A game breaker as far as a returner. But, you know, so. I, could, I could see the Raiders making sense, too. I mean, Ruggs didn't really show you what you had hoped for. They lost uh, Nelson Aguilar. Brian, Brian Edwards is there. And you got to remember too, they made the signing of Tyrell Williams, and he was injured pretty much the whole time, and never really panned out. They cut him. Receiver. They cut right. Tyrell Williams got cut. Yeah. So he's out there. He, it's another big receiver. No, he, he signed. Know, he signed injured, with but... he signed with Detroit. Tyrell Williams. Oh, he did sign with Detroit. 
Yes. That's not a bad sign for Detroit, actually, because Tyrell Williams was a pretty good receiver before he got hurt. He was good with the Chargers. Yeah, he All was. Right, the next guy is, is Curtis Samuel, who we discussed earlier. You know, Samuel actually, you know, Matt Rule got out a lot of the Samuel because they were lining up in the backfield when McCaffrey got hurt. And he was running out of the backfield position, too. Yeah. You know, he was a gadget guy. He was all over the place. So, Curtis Samuel, where does he go? Oh. You know, the perfect fit, I think, is Carolina. I think he, his skill set works perfectly in that offense, to be well, honest with they, you. Maybe they resign him, keep him there. They could, they could <laughs> resign him. I mean, um, Curtis Samuel, man. And Curtis Samuel is, is young, too. 25, right? He's only 25 on the open market. Yeah. Man, I actually got an interesting spot for him. I, there was there was one team I thought wouldn't be a bad fit for him. You know, I'm thinking of teams that need receivers, and every time I think of teams that need receivers, Baltimore comes to mind. But I really don't see him bringing anything to the table that yeah, none of their guys already possess. The table there, no, I don't. I don't see it there. He would I just kind of be a clone of what they already have. You yes. know. Yes. Um. Does he? Does Tennessee look to bring him in after losing Corey Davis? I mean, possible. It's possible. Does Belichick sign I'd, another I'd another pass catcher? <laughs> I, I had the charges in mind for Curtis Samuel. Certainly would be a good another good piece to surround Herbert with. Yeah. Now is Mike Williams a free agent too? I no, believe Mike he, Williams is there. I thought that Mike Williams. Was I like a free Mike agent. Williams. I didn't think he would. No, I didn't think so. I tell you, Mike Williams would have been signed by now. I and I would have loved the Giants to have signed him. I don't think he's a free agent, though, because uh, I don't see him on the list. Oh, no, he's, no, a, he's yeah, they, the, the fifth-year option on him, yeah. Yeah. He's a free okay. agent after this year. This, this, next one, this next one, I think, is an easy one, and I think you're going to get this one, and I already had the team in mind right away, and he's a perfect fit for them, and that's your boy, Juju Smith-Schuster. I tell you what. I'm kind of getting a feeling that Pittsburgh is going to make a push to re-sign him because Pittsburgh already got underneath the cap and then they cut Vince Williams today, which I thought was really mind boggling because they, they didn't really didn't need the cap space and he's a mainstay in the middle of that defense and they save another $5 million on the cap by cutting him. So now I think they're, they're, they're close to $20 million under the cap. So they, they could make it work. And, and I think push comes to shove. I think that he might take a little bit less money to come back to Pittsburgh than, uh, then it How go about elsewhere. Juju Smith-Schuster going to the Washington football team? He's in a slot, and Terry McLaurin's on the outside. How would that look? With Fitzpatrick throwing a ball a ton. Antonio Gandy-Golden, too, is out there. You know, that's not a bad fit for him. No. Washington needs a slot receiver. Washington would be a good fit. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's a good fit there. Yeah, I'm looking around. Nobody teams that are in cap hell and, and and teams that don't really need a receiver. Yeah, Washington is certainly a team that I think would would certainly be interested. The just the, the question to me is just how much he's looking for because we I think we know at this point he's not a number 1 receiver. But if you compare his numbers like the amount of receptions that he had compared with some other receivers around the league, he may be wanting to get paid by a number 1 receiver because he's putting up 90 90 plus catches. 
Look, he's a hell of a receiver. He's only 24 years old. He goes over the middle. He blocks. He's, he's a hell of a red zone receiver. He's, he's tough. a terrific. He's, he's a terrific route runner. Yeah, he's you know, a tough this player. This guy's as a complete as a receiver as you're going to find. He's he, uh, you know. So, but he's as a he's a, as complete a receiver you're going to find at the slot position. You line him up on the, the outside where position. he's being shadowed by the yes. opposing team's number yes. one. He's not going to he, do anything. He's for not. You. Look, he, he's not that sort of guy. It, it was like putting Sterling Shepard on the outside for the Giants. They don't belong there. That's not who they are. You know, and then after after that, you know, your, your next best offensive player would be T.Y. Hilton. Who I think is probably – he'll probably get a one-year deal somewhere too. I can't see anyone giving him one year. Prone. He's the smallest receiver. He's injury prone, you know. So he's going to go somewhere as a third receiver maybe for somebody. Maybe he steps in. Maybe he goes to Arizona. You know, takes uh, Larry Fitz's place, Christian Kirk, DeAndre Hopkins, T.Y. Hilton. Now, Larry Fitz is another one who's a free agent. Did he say he wants to play again? I thought I thought he was retiring, Larry Fitz. Was he? I don't I don't know for sure. I think so. I thought he was retiring, Larry Fitz. Uh, I thought he was, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm looking. I don't really see any uh, definitive news on that. No. I would probably figure that he's not going to go anywhere else unless the Cardinals bring him back. Yeah, well, the, the GM came out the other day, actually. I just read something that they're giving him space to make a decision on 2021. So, yeah. Well, unless he gives it one more run. But, you know, yeah. So, after that, it's just T.Y. Hilton and Chris Carson. I mean, you know. And then so, after, I'm looking at the list too right now. After Chris Carson, uh, who's the next best player? Maybe James Conner, next best offensive player. I mean, there's not a ton out there after the top couple of guys. John Brown. I mean, you know, he's ranked down a list. Sammy Watkins. Then you go into guys that are, you know, Antonio Brown. I mean, you know, you really. So Kenyon Drake. Uh, you know. You know, I mean, Kenyon Kenyon Drake is a is a fun little fantasy gadget back. I don't think he's a feature back. I can't see him getting a long term deal anyway. Nah. No, Kenyon Drake is he's all right. He's he's the type of guy that you know what you got to pair him along with another guy. You know he's. Well, I he's think that he, I think that he back. worked well in Arizona with him and Chase Edmonds complimented him. I think that was a good fit yes. for Kenyon Drake. You yes. need a similar situation like that where both guys are going to spell each other. The guy who I do like on this list is Gerald Everett, and I'm telling you right now, if the Giants decide to, to decide to trade Evan Ingram for a pick and. Everything that I read last week was teams were maybe offering a third-round pick for Evan Ingram. I mean, take it and run with it. Go out and sign a guy like Gerald Everett. He's only 27. He could block. He could catch. He's not a bad player. And I'll tell you what, it'll probably be more dependable catching the ball than, than Evan Ingram's been for us the last couple of years. So, And I could tell you from firsthand watching Rams games, because a bunch of times having Tyler Higby in fantasy – once Cam Akers started getting going in the running game, Tyler Higby was off the field. It was, was Gerald Everett. And Everett Gerald Everett's run blocking. He's he's 100%. a really good run blocking tight end for sure. Hundred percent. Look, uh, you know, but you the need that you need the run blocking tight end who can also be a pass catching threat. And there's not yes. too many of them out there. No. You know, if you bring right. in a tight end who's a, who's a really good run blocker, but he can't catch a pass, well, the defense knows exactly what's coming when that guy enters the field. But that's you need why someone I say who's guys a dual like threat. him, him and Kyle Rudolph that are out there in free agency are not bad pickups. Yeah, and you're probably not you're not going to overpay for them. You're probably going to give them a one year deal, 
That's now, Kyle Rudolph, Kyle Rudolph is, is a little older than Everett, no? He's a little older, but as a stopgap guy to, to plug a guy in there for, for a year. Oh, yeah, no, I agree. I'm not saying it would you be a bad I mean? signing. I was just I was just curious because I was pretty sure that he would he was older than 27, but I wasn't. Yeah, uh, Rudolph is, yeah, he's older than 20. Everett's 27, but, you know, so those aren't bad guys to have. Yeah. You, you know, they're solid guys, so not bad. All right, I guess we could get away from football. Yeah, we'll get it to basketball a little bit. I know we we didn't really speak on it too much last last week um, with the All Star break, but the Knicks are back in action. Um, tough law. They got blown out by the Bucks their first game back from the break, but they played it. Then they won a game and they played a really competitive game against the Nets the other night. Listen, it's we've said it before. Every game kind of keeps you on the edge of your seat because they're playing competitive basketball. But at a certain point, I think you have to sit back and wonder, okay, what's next? Because now they look like they have the pieces in place and, and now you need to make a move to, to improve the team. Um, I'm just going to pose one question to you about the Knicks. Cause I don't think that there's a ton to be said, but we haven't touched on the Knicks in a few weeks. So I figured it was appropriate, but is there a move that you think the Knicks should make at the trade deadline? And I'm not saying you mortgage the future because it doesn't look like that guy is out there. It looks like Washington is not trading Beal. No, I think the guy. I think the, the guy is trading That's the guy. But you know what? You got if you're going to make that trade, you got to be assured that he's going to sign with you, because you got to make sure. You know, you've, you've heard Miami in this sequence also, so you got to make sure that he's just not a rental. I mean, if you're going to give up any sort of assets for Oladipo, because he did refuse an extension from the Rockets, so. But do you think that Oladipo is a max player? Because I don't. Don't think he's a max player, but he's he's a very good player. No, he's a very good player, but I I don't know if he's a max player, player, and I think that's what he's going to command. But at this point right now, there's nothing out there for the Knicks to be had for the Knicks to be had to match with Julius Randle and Old Depot would probably be the next best thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's that's probably where they're going to have to go, and they're going to have to develop their own players. Now, maybe you don't have to give Old Depot the max contract, you know. But see, the big problem is is the Knicks are playing super competitive and that's because they're well coached. And that's because they're tremendous on defense. They need someone who can score from the outside besides Emmanuel quickly. There's nobody on this team who could score from the outside. Right. Well, that's what we said a couple of weeks ago, Andrew, it's a game. It's a game of shooters. Now it's no longer yeah. a game of centers or anything else like that. It's shooting, shooting and more shooting. And if you don't have guys that could, that could shoot the three, then, you know, you, you, your, your odds of winning, you know, 50, 50 games and, making the playoffs and making a run are diminished because you need to be able to shoot. And, you know, RJ Barrett has improved his shooting. The kid's getting better and better. And I said that a few weeks ago, just give him a chance, give him a chance to shine. Just give him a chance to shine. And he he's playing really well. Obviously Julius Rand has been ter- terrific quickly. Still been playing good basketball himself. He's going to have his ups and downs, you know, as a rookie. So, uh, but he, he's been he's been okay. Uh, you know, quickly he's been really really good. He's been better than expected. The problem is they have gotten nothing from Obi Toppin, and we said this Andrew on the day of the draft. He needs a point guard. He needs a point guard for his sort of game. He has to have a bona fide point guard. Now they've been missing Derrick Rose the past couple of weeks because of COVID. Now to what extent we don't know. It's obvious he must have the COVID because this isn't just a. Uh, a COVID protocol maybe where he's close to contact tracing because he would have been back by now. So you got to hope that Derek Rose is doing okay. And who knows when he gets back? Because if you look at it, Alfred Payton's been hurt and he's up and down Alfred Payton quickly is not your normal point guard, especially the point guards that Thibodeau likes because he likes his point guards to be, what do we say, Andrew? 
facilitators. Uh, exactly. So, you know, the Knicks are going to have to uh, um, do something to the point guard position after this year as well, because I think quickly is better off playing, you know, off the ball as a shooting guard more than anything, more than uh, as, as a point guard. So, um, yeah, Oladipo would be the guy. I mean, maybe you have to give up a Kevin Knox. Maybe you have yeah, to give up one of your number one picks. You know, I, would, one of the I, ones would, that, I would get in the car and drive Kevin Knox to Houston pick. myself. To oh, be hell of, uh, no I doubt. But you know what? Look, Houston's in a complete rebuild. Kevin Knox is 21, 22 years old. And maybe a coach feels like they can get the best out of him. He's still a young player. You know, maybe maybe with some some court time because he's riding the bench with the Knicks right now. Yeah, but you're you know, seeing look, a team only, like the Knicks who are, who are continuously on a nightly basis squeezing the absolute most out of every player on that team, and yet Kevin Knox is is not even a thought. I think that that turns heads the opposite way. Okay, you got Tom Thibodeau in there who is literally taking a team that is so void of talent, and they're over 500 right now playing really good basketball. Each and every guy is contributing, and they're all – realizing their potential, but Kevin Knox is on the bench and he's taking a step backwards. I think that's eye-opening for a lot of people. And I don't think there were a lot of people uh, out there that yeah. thought that that was a great pick when they made it. Kevin Knox. I'll tell you the truth, everything that you read in, and I, you know, I, I think that was, that was the pick that fell into the Knicks lap and it was almost like they had to take him. But again, he had the reputation coming out of college and he, and you read all the reports on him that his motor doesn't always run at a high level every single game. He gets lazy. So if he's not putting maximum effort in, you're not getting on the court, especially on the, on the Thibodeau. Well, a lot of people, when they first drafted him, you know, everybody listened to what John Calipari had to say, and he was waxing poetic about him. I mean, do we know John Calipari? He says it about every player that's ever drafted from Kentucky. You can't pay attention to that. No, well, you can't pay. Well, he, you know, he was right on quickly. That's for sure. Cause he waxed poetic that night about quickly, but no, you can't trust him on that. But look, you, 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 you've seen a skill set with Kevin Knox, but unfortunately it's not translating to the, to the NBA. It's not, it just hasn't translated. Now, again, he's still a young player. He's only 22 years old. You know, he's still a very young player in this league. So maybe the Rockets feel like, all right, let's take a shot with him. They give him a number one pick on top of that, or, 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 you know, one that's protected, obviously, and see what you could do. I mean, it can't I get any know. worse. It, it, take, it can't get any worse for the Rockets. They've already, they've already lost 16 games in a row. Can't get much worse. No, but I don't know. You know, I don't know what other teams might be offering. A team like Miami is rumored to be highly interested in Oladipo. I don't know what they could offer, you know, so who knows? Well, they asked, but, they, asked, they asked Miami for Tyler Hero, apparently, and Miami kind of laughed in their face. No, they're not, gonna, they're not getting that. Listen, they could ask. It doesn't mean you're going to get. <laughs> it's like yeah. anything else. You well, again, they don't, they don't have any leverage because Oladipo already said he didn't want right. to sign an extension. Said he, he said he wasn't signing the extension. So, they, you know, look, like you said, they lost their leverage there, so they're not going to get as much as they, they think they can, and I think they know they're not going to get that much at this point. Yeah. So, look – I mean, the Knicks need something else to go along with Julius Randle while they're developing guys like Quickly, Obi Topin, and guys like that. So RJ Barrett. Um, and Oladipo wouldn't be a bad fit. Look, he's, he's been hurt, but he's only 28. He's a scorer in this league, and they need scoring. They need scoring. He's a good player. And listen, he was a hell of a player before he got hurt. You know, he was, he was, he was a max player before he got hurt. I can agree with he that. He was a max player. Yeah. 
You know, just waiting for him to put it all together again. Yeah, Kevin Durant's still sitting out for the Nets. I mean, you know, he's you'll probably see him back in the playoffs at this point. They held up a deal life last night with the way that James Harden is playing. uh, What's the point of even rushing him back? Tell him, hey, go ahead, sit sit on your ass, come back whenever you feel like it. Take your time. That's it. they're basically they're basically going to pay him ninety two million dollars to probably play about twenty regular season games until the playoffs start. Think about that, right? That's insane. And now they have Blake Griffin too, another option. And Blake Griffin's not not the player he once was, but it's just another option. And they needed all the big men right. depth and, that they can get the Nets. That's what the right. the one area they were lacking. Right, and Griffin will give him fifteen to eighteen minutes off the bench. That's all they need him for. You know, maybe maybe on an off night for a couple of guys, he could, you know, take their place, or maybe a couple of guys are in foul trouble. He comes in. But at that point, the Nets are just looking for depth. They're looking for, you know, veteran depth. And he fell into the lap. And now the next big thing is what happens with Andre Drummond from Cleveland. Well, it doesn't I mean, look like they're going to be able to get the package him? back. He'll probably get bought out too, I would imagine. And no one seems to be budging on any trade offers. No. No, but look, we said it, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And by the way, that for a lot of, of for a lot of teams, sorry to cut you off for a lot of teams, it's that's probably why they're not budging on trade offers is because they can't even swing it salary cap wise. They're hoping that he can be bought out and they can bring him in for the league minimum. Right. A lot of these guys are up against a lot of these teams are up against the cap and some teams have exemptions with injuries. I know that the Nets had that player exemption because of Dinwiddie's torn ACL being out for the season. Uh, there's a couple teams that have injury exemptions and have a little bit more cap space than others, but Andre Drummond's making a ton of money. It's not really easy for a lot of teams to swing that trade, so they're kind of just sitting back, waiting for him to get bought out, and then taking their chances when Drummond has his pick of wherever he wants to sign. Yeah, and you know, you look at the Knicks' schedule coming up. Uh, you know, they look they got to they got to win the games that are winnable. You know, games against the Wizards. Uh, you know, a game against the Timberwolves, a game against the Mavericks, a game against the Pistons. Those are winnable games there because then in between all that, you got the 76s, you got the Bucks, you know, you got the Heat. So you got some, you got the Nets again, then you got the Celtics. So just beat the teams you should beat. And the Knicks should be okay. They might find themselves in a playoff spot then. They just might. So they're actually uh, leading the 76ers right now, 48 41. Three minutes left yeah, they're, to yeah, go they're the first up. half. Yeah. Which is nice to see because coming off that game, uh, you know, against the uh, against the Nets, you would think that could have been a little bit of a letdown game, especially that they played last night. But it's nice that the Knicks came out. You know, they came out and took a lead here before the half, up, up seven right now. So that's good to see. Even, even though the 76ers don't have Joel Embiid for a couple of weeks. And, you know, this look, the Sixers are playing the Bucks tomorrow night. So maybe the Sixers are looking ahead to that game. You know, maybe it's a look-ahead game and they're looking past the Knicks. You never know. But the Knicks can beat the 76ers tonight. That's a statement game right there, especially coming off that loss to the Nets, which was kind of a little bit of an emotional loss because at the end, uh, you know, Julius Randle thought he was – thought the ball got knocked out of his hands and they basically called like the old school up and down on him. So uh, they had a shot to tie it. Uh, and they battled their way three. back after being down. I think it was they were down. Battled their way late. back a few yeah. times. They were down seventeen a couple of times. They were down the entire game. And you know what? They fought their way back with some defense in the fourth quarter. Uh, you well, know, you know so it, that was. You know how the saying look, goes. They, 
good teams win, great teams cover, and they were able to backdoor last night. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. I made a lot, a lot of Nick fans. A lot of Nick betters happy. That's for shit sure. <laughs> Let's get uh, into you know, the other me... team in, in Madison Square Garden. I wanted to oh, get into uh, – I wanted to get into the Rangers. We have and... to. Well, we have to. We're not gonna we're not gonna spend a lot of time talking about uh, about their lousy performances because I think we've we've voiced our displeasure with the coaching situation and I think we've said everything that needs to be said about why they are where they are right now. Um, but the fact is they are where they are and that is I think nine points out of a playoff spot, thirty games in, not looking good. Uh, but some important questions arise and. Um, one particularly that, that Larry Brooks brought up in an article he wrote in the Post the other day. They have an interesting decision to make with Pavel Buchnevich, and I think they also have an interesting decision to make with Mika Zibanejad, too. Two players uh, who play pl- prominent roles on the team. Now, Buchnevich is said to be a restricted free agent at the end of the season. Um, I think he's played his way to a significant payday. He's leading the Rangers in points right now. Um, he's just... He's been a godsend. I mean, he's been a really good player. But there was a lot of hype surrounding Buchnevich when they drafted him in the third round. And uh, it took him a few years to kind of get his feet under him and put his game together. And now he's really turned into a legitimate um, – I, I think he's probably a second-line forward. I mean, they have him on the first line because of the chemistry between Kreider and Zibanejad and Buchnevich. That line just has great chemistry. So they like to pair those guys at the top. But I think Buchnevich is a really, really good second-line forward. That, that's probably what he is. But like I said, he's a restricted free agent at the end of the season. And um, the Rangers have a decision to make as to what they want to do, because now that they've fallen out of the race, kind of, I mean, uh, anything is possible, but you and I are both pessimistic on their, their chances of climbing back into this thing. You know, he's said to be a free agent at the end of the season. There's a contending team that would probably be knocking down the door to try to get a guy like Buchnevich. Now, the only hesitance between behind trading a guy like Buchnevich is, you know, you have a guy who is a bona fide second line winger he could even be a first line winger on some teams those guys don't come around too often and I think the Rangers have have not necessarily seen what they've wanted to see out of Capo Caco so far I mean he's playing good hockey but he hasn't really materialized into what people expected him to be coming out of the draft uh Lafreniere I think is going to be a really good player you see a lot of promise out of him but I think if you were seeing potential stardom out of a guy like Capo Caco, it would probably make Buchnevich a little bit more expendable. But if you trade Buchnevich, you know, who are you replacing him with? So I think it really depends on what kind of a package you're getting in return because a guy like Buchnevich is not easily replaceable and it could set them back if they decide to trade him. Well, look, they're going to have a lot more room under the cap this year, uh, coming next year over the next couple of years, the Rangers. So um, they can easily fit him in if they decide they want to pay him. Now, depends upon the sort of contract. I, look, Buchnevich to me is not a six million dollar a year player right now. You know, he's he's finally starting to develop his game now, but it doesn't mean you have to give him the big bucks right now. I mean, look, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna give him the money based on what you think he's going to be down the line. But at some point, you know, there's sometimes he's still an inconsistent player, Andrew. He really, really is. So um, he, he he's playing well, but he still has glimpses of you know, times where you could kind of see, all right, he, he disappears here and there. You know what I mean? So I don't know if I'd be paying him the big money at that point. Um, depending upon what you're being offered for a guy like Buchnevich, if he's got to be included in a, in a deal for a guy like Jack Eichel, I don't know, you know, do you do something like that? But, you know, more importantly, Capo Cackle needs to start developing a little bit more. 
Now, look, he, he's missed some time with the COVID. We, we understand that. But in his last 20 or 21 games that he's played in, he hasn't scored a goal. He hasn't scored a goal. And sometimes you watch games, and at the end of the game, you say, did Kako play? You know, did he play? Yeah. Now, and this is my gripe with, with you know, anybody that's defending David Quinn. And right now, it only seems to be Joe Micheletti and Sam Rosen, because you read the entire fan base on Twitter, in Ranger blogs, on Ranger boards like I read, and nobody's defending the coach anymore. I mean, it's a handful of people at this point. You're just not seeing the development of some of these kids. You can, look, you can look on Twitter, and someone like Rick Carpinello, someone like Vince Mercogliano, writers who cover the Rangers, they can tweet something about, you know, just for instance, wow, that was a, that was a great defensive play by Adam Fox. And all you see in the comments why is Howden playing? Why is Howden playing? Why is Kako oh, on the bench? Reading, you must be reading my comments. Well, you're, yeah, you're part of them. I see you. Oh, I see you commenting God. all the time because it doesn't make any the sense. Howden thing, the Howden thing drives me mad. He finally scratched him the other night. And they by the, the way, I don't, and- I don't know if you noticed um, last night, you know, obviously uh, they have some COVID issues. You know, Buchnevich is actually on the COVID protocol list. Same with D. Giuseppe and Adam Fox. And so there were some holes in the lineup last night. They called up one of their uh, promising defensemen, Tarmo Reuninen, who made his well. debut last he night. Well. He played pretty well. And uh, he had a primary assist on a goal by Artemi Panarin. And I saw a tweet that um, Tarmo, Ru- Tarmo Reuninen, which is a tongue twister, try to say that five times fast. But I'm not going to try and say that. <laughs> Tarmo Reuninen in six minutes of ice time has as many primary assists as Brett Howden does in 329 minutes of ice time this season. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a joke. And this it's is a, a joke. Def- this, this is a defense. Game, this but... is a defenseman, and we're talking about Brett Howden. He's a center, so that's all you need to know. And and and, and again, you know, you look at a Howden, and everybody sees it. He contributes absolutely nothing. Every single game, every single shift. Yeah, yeah. He Absolutely wins a couple. He nothing. wins a couple faceoffs every now and again. That's the and only yet thing he, he plays does. Every single game, for what reason? I still don't understand it. I still don't understand it. I, I just don't get it. But look, his job is to develop these players. Now, it's there's a difference between developing players that are in college and developing players that are in the NHL, along with having to to coach in the NHL. You know, and I said this last week, let's stop developing these plays. Let's start teaching them how to win games because the Rangers are losing games right now in, in, in ways that they should not be losing. I mean, you watched that overtime last night and it was just three guys circling around. Nobody's taking shots. And it's been the same inconsistencies with the Rangers since Quinn got there. They play a perimeter game. The only guy you ever see in front is, is, is a Kreider. Everything's to the perimeter. Their power plays the same way. Everything's to the perimeter. You know, now Tony D'Angelo sitting there doing nothing. You haven't traded him. You got into the spat with Georgiev. You know, all the stuff that was going on on Twitter with him politically, whatever. But you know what? Their power play hasn't been the same since D'Angelo has, uh, has been, has been uh, set aside. Hasn't been the same. So, you know, this team has not gotten better this year. They've taken a step back from what they were. And they've taken a significant step back. Now, I'm not blaming injuries. The Rangers haven't been hit with the COVID all that bad. Recently, it's a little bit more, but not like some of these other teams 
Flyers were hit worse than anybody, and yet they're still winning. They're still winning. So there's a problem here fundamentally with this coach, and I've been saying it since the get-go. There's a problem, and it needs to be addressed. It needs to be addressed. Now, I think another and, player and, that and, uh, – go ahead, finish. Well, I was going to say, you know, all we have to do is go back and how many times were me and you texting? All right, he's coming back with Georgiev again. Why is he coming back with him on back-to-back nights just because he won a game? She's Sturkin's your guy. And Georgiev lost that back-to-back every single time. And you see what his numbers are over the last couple of years in back-to-back games. They are not good. And yet he kept coming back to him. And now he's going to play tomorrow night. Now, granted, Kincaid was not good the other night. After playing two really good games – he wasn't good last night. He was terrible last night. Okay, let's see what happens with Georgia. Let's see if he gets his confidence back. If he doesn't, they're going to have to make a decision here if Shesterkin's not ready. They might even have to bring a kid up from the minus because you can't have Georgia giving up the goals that he's given up. No, he's given up horrendous. some god-awful goals. He's, he's given up some he's, bad goals. He's been horrendous all season. They had an opportunity to sell high on Georgiev, and they didn't do it. I mean, I wasn't one yeah. of the people who was pushing for it because I thought Georgiev was really good, and, and, and you could bring him back as a really good backup goalie. He hasn't lived up to any expectations. But, you know, they missed the mark because, obviously, you know, these people in front offices, they see the game better than we do. And I wonder if there's something in his game that would have led you to believe that this might have been coming because this year, I mean, he just looks very ordinary. Even when he's played – decent games he just looks very ordinary he doesn't do anything that that wows you you know Shesterkin who's had his share of bad games in the beginning of the season but right before his injury I mean he was playing lights out hockey there was nothing ordinary about the way that he was he, he was netminding he was just he was phenomenal you don't see that out of Georgiev you don't you just see very ordinary goaltending you see very soft goals that are let up and they might have missed the mark because listen they've done it before with their goaltenders they sold high on Cam Talbot. Where's Cam Talbot been? He's been on five different teams since he was on the Rangers. Anti Ranta, they sold high on him. Where's he been since he was on the Rangers? Lost his starting job. So they had another opportunity yeah. to do it with Georgiev, and they missed it. The ship sailed. Yeah, I agree. And it's now you have sad. to wonder if they leave him unprotected in the expansion draft for Seattle. You know, we've talked about it, how the whole reason they brought in Kincaid was so that they, they can leave uh, him unprotected and they can keep Georgiev. Now, would you, do you even want to keep Georgiev? Well, you, you might as well leave him unprotected. And Seattle still might not take him. <laughs> no, listen, he has not been good. He's given up, like I said, some god-awful goals. And he's he's a goalie with the yips right now. He's a goalie with the yips. And you know, I made a mistake before. I said Mike Hilton Cowboys. I meant Mike Hilton Steelers. I got confused because the Bengals signed Hilton and Awuze, who was on the Cowboys together today. Two guys, two cornerbacks. So I didn't even, I didn't even notice that back. you said that. Shows how yeah, much I, I pay attention. Yeah, I remember saying it because when I said I was thinking Mike Hilton, and I was wrong. I was thinking back at that, and I was saying, wait, Mike Hilton was a stealer. Shouldn't know that. And he's you he's should. the guy I'm most most upset about losing. He's the best. And you lost him to a rival. He's the best. <laughs> slot, he's the best slot corner in the game. No debate. Yeah. Him, him, and Kenny Moore are just they're fantastic, fantastic slot corners, and they're gonna miss him. I mean, they the Steelers signed back Cam Sutton, who's gonna kind of go into that role, but. Listen, Hilton earned his payday. I mean, he was he was cut by like three different practice squads, undrafted free agent, came up with the Steelers, really solidified his role. He deserves a payday, so good for him. I'm, uh, you know, I, I hate that sure. he's on the Bengals, but he earned a pay bump that he got for sure. All right. Uh, I mean, you know, the Islanders, uh, the Islanders have been hot as a pistol, but they're losing tonight to the Capitals. They were down 3-1 in the third period, so they were, 
they're due to lose a game. The Islanders, for God's sake, and they lost Anders Lee for a little, little period of time. But I mean, the Islanders just keep on trucking, man. It, it's just ever since they got rid of Tavares, they've just been so much more of a better team. And that's again, you look at a coach like Barry Trotz. Look what happens. Yeah, it's look an indictment happens. on the coaching staff, and they've had they've had to deal with some injuries too. They're still without Anders yeah. Lee. Yeah. So, you know, Islanders have been playing terrific hockey, and it pains me to say it. The Devils really just, you know, they, they're, they're terrible. The Devils have not been good. And Jack Hughes is another kid right now, not developing. You know, and hasn't done much right now. Unlike Capo Caco, Jack Hughes is getting a ton of ice time. ton of ice time, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you want to see Caco take that next step, man. Uh, you you got to start seeing it at some point. There's got to be a time where, you know, you're just going to start seeing it where the light bulb's going to go on. And I hope it happens soon. I just haven't seen it enough. I really, really haven't. You see some glimpses of it. And look, again, he's a young player. I get it. So, but by next season, man, we, we need to see progress. And I just don't know if this coach is going to be here anymore. I, I just don't. And I don't think he deserves to be here. Yeah, I would think if the so. Rangers miss out on the playoffs by a significant margin, which it looks like they're on a trajectory to do. I would think that a move has to be made because I don't know how you can sell And listen, you, you can't just make every decision based on, you know, which way the wind is blowing for your fan base. I get that. But after taking a step back, you know, it's similar to the Mets, right? I mean, the Mets, they, 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 they close out the season on such a run that you're expecting them to maybe carry that momentum over to the next season and they fall flat on their face. And that's what's happened with yeah. the Rangers this year. They've fallen flat on their face after so much promise after the second half of last season. You know, you come in with a lot of hype because of the way the season ended, right? And I know they had the three-game sweep at the hands of the Hurricanes in the, in the expanded playoff, but the whole second half of that regular season gave you hope, and, and you supplemented by getting the number one pick in the draft and bringing in Lafreniere and uh, having a full season, hopefully, of Igor Shosturkin, and there's been some wrinkles thrown in that, but... I mean, there's no excuse. Every team deals with injuries, but nothing that the Rangers have been dealt is, and it, it could be used as a valid excuse for how short they've fallen of expectations. So I think a move is on the horizon unless they drastically turn it's it around. And me and you, very disappointing. both, both and, of us watch every second of every game. Is there anything yeah. that tells you that they're turning it around? No, nothing. Nothing. There's nothing. You know, I got friends of mine. I think, oh, well, you're being negative. I said, I'm not being negative. I, I'm being realistic here. They're not capable of going on a winning streak. They've proven it so far. After almost 30 games, you are what you are. You are what you are. That's it. You know what? They're not capable. I, I hate that. I hate when people say, and, and, you know, you say your friends said that you're being negative. I cannot stand that because I have people that say that to me too sometimes. And I'm like, I'm such a nut when it comes to my favorite teams. You don't realize how much, like, my entire day is ruined. You know how much I look forward to football Sunday? If the Steelers lose at 1 o'clock, I don't watch the 4 o'clock and 8 o'clock game. The rest of my day is ruined. I'm miserable. You think I like being miserable? I'm not just being negative for the hell of it. Like, they legitimately, my favorite teams make me miserable. I'm not making it up. So why would I just be negative for the hell of being negative? You're just being a right. realist. They're getting me frustrated. Is it? You're not right. doing it for shits and giggles. I mean, you're just reacting to what you're seeing. You're being a realist. No, that's it. I, I, and you have to be a realist. You have to see what's going on here. And, and it's just, they're just not capable of, you know, stringing anything together. And in this division with these teams that are much, you know, the Islanders, the, the, the Penguins, the Capitals, you know, the, the Flyers, they're all much better than, than the Rangers. They're much better than them. And look, 
they're they're seven, eight points ahead of them. You don't make that up. You can't make that up. And the Rangers aren't capable of winning nine, ten in a row like the Islanders just won. You know, they're not they're not capable. So it it is what it is. And look, I just hope they finish strong at the very least. Give us something to look forward to next year. Hopefully, some of these kids do have the light bulb turn on. So, you know, now the Mike Lombardi's reporting that there are rumors that Deshaun Watson doesn't want to play in New York or Miami. Now he's rumored to want to play for the Broncos or the 49ers because they have more talent on their rosters. You're going to tell me Miami doesn't have talent? Yeah, I can understand were, that point of view when it comes to the Jets, were winning, but Miami, Miami's got a ton of talent. They were winning nine, ten games without the Sean Watson Miami, so how could you say that? Wow. That's strange I mean, that would be to something. Me. Jet fans are hanging themselves right now. Um, I have one <laughs> fan question that we'll get to before ah, we, uh, before we I call it before. quits. I didn't see anything. I got this one in the text, and I apologize. My buddy Kyle sent one to me last week, but okay. he um, – I had a couple of people that texted me questions last week and we had some emails. Kyle had sent the question in a group chat that I have with a bunch of my friends and I completely forgot that it was in there. So I didn't, I didn't uh, get to it. So he sent me a new one this week and we're going to get to it. Simple question. And it's about uh, baseball, which we didn't touch on at all. And there's nothing really to touch on in baseball. You know, that's why we didn't spend any time on it. There's really nothing different that's happening. Um, but he has one quick question. Mets over under win total, 90 and a half. Where are you going? Hmm. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I certainly think they have enough talent to win over 90 games. I really do. Tommy was on the podcast last week. He said the same thing. But for some reason, there's just something in the back of my head that says, you know, for the past couple of years, Vegas and Pakoda, they've loved the Mets. And the Mets have never lived up to the billing. So there's, there's hmm. I don't know if it's just a – the negative pessimistic, you know, person in me when it comes to the Mets that's thinking that and just thinking what could go wrong will go wrong. But, you know, in the past, every single time everybody's in love with the Mets, it, it doesn't end up working out. And, and 91, is that's a high number. 91 is a lot of wins. Yeah, 91 is a lot. And, and I don't expect them to win the division. And I don't think they're going to I think they'll they'll take a wild card spot with 88 wins, you know, something around there. Because that's the thing. If, the, if you don't think they're winning the division, I, right. I, I don't see them winning 92 games and coming in second. So unless right. you think they're winning this division, I would I would lean towards the under. I would. And USA Today puts out like a baseball newspaper that I happened to pick up the other day. So let me, you know, read this, prepare for a couple of fantasy drafts I got to do. So I picked one up and and they had six guys, six writers that all, you know, predicted, you know, the division winners. Wild cards, Cy Young, MVP. All six guys predicted the Braves to win a division. All six guys, all six guys predicted the Cardinals to win a division. All six guys predicted the Dodgers to win a division. It was yeah, like well, a clean sweep in the NL. I can't say I disagree with any of the six. Of and them. five out of the six had the Mets making a uh, making it as a wild card, but not advancing to the World Series at all. So, who so. the person who didn't have the Mets as a wild card? Who were their two wild cards? Just out of curiosity. Uh, it was the pot. Hold on one second. I'll get it. Hold on. Okay. Because I'm thinking about it right now. I mean, the Padres, I think, are a lock for a wild card position. Uh, I don't see anybody from the NL Central getting a wild card. I mean, maybe Milwaukee. All right. So I know we had the Padres. Who was the other team? Right. 
I would imagine it's probably going to be, I don't see anyone from the central getting a wild card berth. I, I would think it would probably be another NL East team, maybe the nationals or the Phillies. That's, that's what I would. That's what we had the Phillies, the Phillies. Okay. Padres and Phillies ahead. Yeah. Actually, I'm sorry. Five guys had the Dodgers winning the, the division. One guy had the Padres winning the division, but then the Dodgers and Mets making it as wild cards. Really? And, and then, the Padres win in the NL West. I think the Padres are really good, but, I mean, the Dodgers are just loaded. Four guys had the Dodgers win in the World Series. One had the Braves. One had the Padres. Interesting. They all had different guys to, to win the AL MVP and the NL, NL MVP. So, Bob Nightingale, everybody's favorite fictional writer. Yeah, everybody loves Bob. Uh, has actually Matt Chapman to win the MVP. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Steve Gardner has Shoei Otani. And if you haven't watched Shoei Otani this spring, you're missing the show, people. The guy's been unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, my God. It and just, the one concern with Otani is just durability. How long is he going to be able to do what he does? Right. No from doubt. both sides of the field, you know? Right. 100%. And one guy who goes under the radar, who I think it, he, he, he might duplicate what Jose Abreu did and win the MVP for the White Sox. And that's Tim Anderson, man. Tim Anderson is good. He's a stud. And he goes under the radar because, you know, the whole everything's, you know, obviously Jose Abreu coming off the MVP, Eloy Jimenez, uh, Luis Robert, and Tim Anderson is a stud. Goes right under the radar. So, um, yeah, and, and then – the guys in the NL MVP, I was surprised because only one guy took Mookie Betts, man. And to me, Mookie Betts in the NL, I mean, they had a Cooner and Soto. One guy took Mookie Betts. Three guys took uh, Soto and two guys took a Cooner. I'm saying that we, we definitely have to uh, probably next week, maybe the week after as we get closer. Yeah, we'll to do our day, own thing. We yeah. got to do a little rapid fire picking our guys. Yeah, yeah we'll do. We'll do that. We'll do the same thing that they did here. I'll write it all out and we'll do that real quick, a rapid fire. And uh, you know, if some of the some of some of the listeners want to give us their uh their feedback on email or yeah. for the podcast at gmail.com, then you know what? Hey, have at it, man. We'll read it. We'll read it out there. Let us know what you think. Let us know who you think uh could be an up-and-coming player. Let us know who you think could be a flop. Let us know who you might think could be rookie of the year, anything like that. So it'll be interesting to get your take on things. That'll be if, a little fun. We can do if, that. And if anybody out there has the, uh, the the whereabouts of our buddy Bruce Shine and why he's ducking us on the podcast, let us know. Yeah, I know. He ducked us, Bruce Shine, right? <laughs> I mean, nobody – you know what? I, I know when we were kids, we played a game called hide and seek. Is, is Bruce playing that maybe? We got to go find him or something in the bushes or hide and behind a big boulder or something like that we gotta find them is that what it is we gotta find them i mean he we gotta call he's tremendous he's he's a hot commodity he might be busy but we're not on his radar which is uh, fine him and tommy maybe maybe it's him and tommy maybe they're having a couple of beers and uh and a hamburger together somewhere you know what you know what here's what's happening i think tommy Got a little nervous because I made a joke last week that once we got Bruce, we didn't need Tommy anymore. So he's doing everything he can to compromise oh, us getting Bruce. Wasn't, weren't, but weren't we being serious about that? Oh, now we are. If he's going to do this, now yeah. we are. Oh, and by the way, uh, Tommy, 
Tommy, I don't want you to think I didn't see your text message last night when you, you, when you somehow gave us the pinpoint mark of the podcast last week where you said that Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, like you basically called it, look at the 22-minute, 34-second mark of the podcast that he called that. Well, how about this? How about you call the right football team? How about Ryan Fitzpatrick to the Washington football team, not to the Redskins? So you get no credit for that. No credit. Is that what he said? He called them. He, yeah, called, he called them the, it Redskins. the Redskins. And he wants credit for that. And Rookie. then he came back. He came back and then said, well, what about the Bengals? You know, how many, how many shots you want at this, Tommy? You know, you call yourself, a, you know, a, a, a superstar prognosticator here. Oh, my uh, God. You're this? on fire. Prognosticator. That's another one. Add oh, to the ledger. Goodness. Jesus yeah, Christ. Look it was out. only a matter of time. I was going to say, you haven't really given me a word yet. I think that's why Bruce Shine doesn't want to come on here because now he sees my, how my English is my pronunciation and my pension for four and five syllable words. And I think I might've intimidated him a little bit. So I don't know. Hey, listen, Bruce, don't worry about it. I promise you'll be the smartest guy in his zoom call. I promise you. Don't worry see, about it. I'll hold you know, back from a, all my big words. That's a good point. When you see someone who, who approaches broadcasting with such eloquence, like Rob does. Yeah. When you see someone who uses the English language as their playground, the way you do. Yeah. It could be intimidating to some. Well, let's put it this way. Bruce, when you come on, I promise we'll let you facilitate this uh, podcast. There you go. How's that? And by the way, I do have to make a PSA. And this has to go out as an apology. And I have to apologize to one Louis Guillaume. <laughs> I have to apologize to the guy. This is long overdue. A long overdue. It's been long overdue. What you know, did we? What in, did we? What did we used to call him? The days of Louis <laughs> Guillaume are over. No more. No more. Let me tell you something. I I was dead wrong about that guy, boy. Because let me tell you something. The more I watch that guy, the more excited I get, and I want to see that guy play. That twenty-two pitch at bat was a classic. I don't care if it was spring training. Doesn't matter. No, and I was watching it live. I know I texted um, you about it. And you said yeah. you weren't watching at the moment, no. but it was incredible. Then I caught the replay of it. It was on just the reaction of the bench was fantastic. But yeah, that at bat was extraordinary. I don't care if it's been, and then Jordan Hicks was popping it at like 100 miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He wanted to try and put him away and he couldn't. He yeah. Couldn't. He, Jordan Hicks is no slouch. Let me tell you something. He, you might see him playing a little bit more third base than what we expected, Andrew. I was I was just going to say, I would not be shocked if on opening day, J.D. Davis he, is on the bench and Luis Guillaume is starting he, third baseman. He's just starting third baseman. because It wouldn't shock is, me. His glove is that good. And you know what? He's proven that that he's he, he's he can, you know, he's got an offensive game. Yeah, he when he first came up, he just re resembled that typical, you know, bench slap hitter who's just going to try to slap everything down a left field line. But he's actually yeah. turning into a decent major yeah. league hitter. And I actually read an article that a lot of people and in, in a lot of scouts have been saying for a little while that they think Guillaume is a late bloomer and they think he's really good. Listen, if you're going to play third base the way he's going to play the field, hit me 260, hit me 270, I'm good with it. I just don't want to see any more of the 210, 220 sacrificing a ton of offense to play good defense but if you're going to hit me 260 270 i'll take that glove 100 percent. and i tell you you know go, going to the yankees real fast domingo Hamanas looked terrific in spring training for them yeah he and has. let me tell you something he 
that guy comes out and pitches like he did in, in 2019, Yankee rotation will be solidified then. Then they'll be solidified. Because now you could, you know, Haman will be your, 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 your number two starter. Kluber stays healthy. Him, you know, Talon stays healthy. I mean, I know they have to stay healthy, but, you know, Domingo Haman is, is, is big for them. He's big. And he's pitched well. I know it's spring training, but he's pitched well under pressure situations because there's a microscope under him right now. Yeah. Adversity so, is staring him right in the face. He's done a pretty good job yes. so far. You just have to see if he carries it over to the regular season. If he does, then that's nothing but good news for the Yankees because the rest of their roster is set in stone. You know what you're going to get from everybody. Yes. The only question Absolutely. mark is the starting pitching. We've talked about that before. So if Ramon can really, really insert himself into the top half of that rotation, I think the Yankees are in uh, they're in tip-top shape. I really yeah, do. They'll be in good shape. Like we said, they got plenty of bats. So, And – you know the Yankees are going to make a deal for some sort of uh, some somebody something, um, you know, at the trade deadline, whether it be a pitcher or another bat, you know. Yeah, they'll make something so, happen for sure. You know, yeah, something something will uh, some, they'll do something. The Yankees they always do. But you know the Mets might even be active at the trade deadline if we're lucky too. I haven't seen that in a while. I tell you, Ronnie Mauricio's looked terrific for them. He has. He's added some muscle to his body too. He was a toothpick last last year. Now he's actually added some muscle. He doesn't look out of place. He looks like he belongs. He I've looks been, like I've been he belongs. With him. And you know something? You, you know, you, 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 they got the extension talks going with Francisco Lindor right now. I mean, you got to wonder what happens with Mauricio unless they move him over to second base, but unless he's used as a chip. Or even third base. Maybe he could play, be a third baseman, Mauricio. And Alonzo's looked terrific too this spring. He's looked terrific. Oh, Let's he's hit the cover off the ball. Hopefully, he carries it over into the into the regular season. Well, so, think about it. He had a putrid, and there was a long gap in between, but uh, obviously because of COVID. But he looked putrid in spring before the season was put on pause. I'm glad that he's hitting the ball because I think he's he was able to step back. He's coming into the season confident, and I don't think the confidence really ever wavered with him. Um. Because, you know, you heard him speaking last year when he wasn't hitting the ball so well. And he was coming out and saying, you know, I'm putting good swings on it. I'm hitting it hard. It's just going right at guy. You know, it never really seemed. And I disagreed with him on that because I, I didn't think he was hitting the ball hard. I thought that he looked like crap, to be honest with you, at certain points last year. But you could tell that the confidence was there. You know, he he's confident in his ability. Now that he's seeing results in spring, it'll carry over. So I'm looking for a big season out of him. I really am. And Dom Smith had a home run today, too. That's just starting to come around. I tell you, they got some they got some good young hitters there, and and it looks like Guillaume is joining them right now. Yeah, you, you know, know what? If, him, if Dominic Guillaume, Smith, I, I love Dominic Smith this year. I absolutely what? love him. I said to you the other day, if Guillaume is going to play this way, you might think about shopping Francisco Lindor. Maybe shop, <laughs> maybe shop him around. What's the what's the use? <laughs> right. Give yeah. give give Guillaume ten years, three hundred million. Give. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. He'll have the All last right. laugh. I but know. all right, yeah, we'll we'll wrap it up. A lot of lot of football, majority football. You know, when free agency starts, it's a frenzy. So uh, it was only appropriate that we spend the majority of our time on football. But dealt with some Knicks, dealt with some Rangers, dealt with some Mets, dealt with some Yankees, and that's what we do around here. So we'll call it quits. Um, thanks everybody for tuning in once again. We are recording on Tuesday, 
March 16th. Episode will be available to everybody on Wednesday, March 17th, uh, noon tomorrow, all platforms. So go check it out. And like I said, you can email us fan questions, any comments, concerns, any ideas for segments, any opinions of your own. We're open to hearing all of it. Uh, so you can reach us via email, podcast at gmail.com. Um, I've had such a busy week, so I wasn't, I wasn't that proactive this week. I'll take the blame for maybe not getting so many fan questions because um, I've had such a hectic last few days. Um, so I wasn't really talking to too many people. So uh, with a week in between episodes, you know, it's easy to, to forget about it. But um, hopefully we get some questions next week. I'll reach out. I'll let everybody know. And uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot more NFL moves. You know, the, the grease and the skids here with all this news that we're getting. But there's still some big names on the market that we broke down. So I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about next week. Uh, maybe we'll even have a buddy, Bruce. Who knows? You know, I'm not too confident. But, you know, we'll see if uh, we'll see if the magic powers that Tommy Lochran has are put to use. If not, then I think it's only fair that he's completely dead to us. Am I, am I off base there? I think so. Yeah. I think that's warranted. Yeah. I think that's warranted. It's only, yeah. you know, and, and listen, listen, we're not, we're not just being, uh, we're not just being mean. We're not no. seeking out a problem. I mean, you just gave a nice heartfelt apology to Luis Guillorme. You're in a good yeah. mood. Yeah. What Tommy's doing here is unacceptable. Uh, unacceptable. We and give him a platform to, to yeah. let everybody know the genius football mind that he has, and he just treats it as if he's entitled to it. He, doesn't, well, he, uh, he claims he's a genius, but he's got he's still saying the Washington Redskins. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And did, he's, you, he's did, you hear, me, did you hear that the Houston Oilers signed Bud Dupree? Yeah. <laughs> they have a big deal. He got paid. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> 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 well listen he told me that Juan Soto on the Montreal Expos is going to win MVP so I don't know Wolf, watch out yeah. watch out all right but we'll, we'll we'll call it quits uh we'll be back next week to record um I know I realized last week at the end of the episode um we were so caught up with Tommy and we were having some laughs and uh, thanking everyone for the fan questions. I forgot to plug our social media accounts, which I always do at the end of episodes. So you can follow me on Twitter at Andrew may underscore 21. Follow me on Instagram, a underscore may 21. Follow Rob on Twitter, Rob OG six. Um, and then again, fan questions, comments, concerns, segment ideas, opinions, anything for score, the podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we will get to them. If you send them in, uh, so way, I'm, note, I'm starting, to, and I'm starting to rack up some some followers here too. You know, oh, your follower count is is getting big. Twenty now. Twenty. What were you at last 20. week? Uh, uh, twenty. No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say nineteen. <laughs> no, actually, no. For a while there, I was only at like six, and wow. then all of a sudden I got people. Yeah, I got I got some I got some followers. You know, my my buddy over there at at, uh, at Budget Breaks, STL, the the guy that I plugged with the with the trading cards. I got a bunch of followers from, from him too, you know, because of the breaks that I go in. Now these people all started following me and, you know, they're all you know, looking at the podcast and everything, which is good. So um, that certainly helps. And, uh, you know, yeah, a couple of more people, they, you know, I guess uh, I'm getting liked now. Maybe one day I'll get a check mark. How many do I need for a check mark? Oh, you need a lot more than 20. You need a lot more than 20. You need to go through a process to obtain the blue check mark. But then again, there is some people who, uh, who get the blue check mark when they really shouldn't have one? You know, I have a. Uh, I'm followed by someone with a with a blue check mark. Really? Who's that? You'll never guess. 
And this is not a joke. I swear to God, this is not parody for the podcast. I swear to God, this guy actually follows me on Twitter. Pac-Man Jones. Really? Pac-Man Jones follows me on Twitter. I couldn't tell you why. No, actually, this is a funny story to end end the podcast. I can tell you why. It was a couple years ago. Oh, and by okay, let me preface this by saying the Twitter account I have now is my second Twitter account. The first one I just completely lost access to. I I just couldn't gain access to the account anymore, so I had to create another one. This is probably maybe four or five years ago. Um, but on the old account, the Steelers had played the Bengals, and I think at the end of the game, I tweeted something along the lines of Pac-Man Jones is a a dirty uh, I don't even know. He's like the dirtiest player in football. I said something along those lines. And he followed me after I said it. Like the next day or two days later, he followed me. The only way he would have saw me is because if, if I tweeted his name. And I didn't even add him. I just wrote, you know, Pac-Man Jones is the dirtiest player in football. And right. he followed me. So now. That's funny. And I think I'm also followed by Jose Bautista too, which is not a big accomplishment because Jose Bautista follows everybody. It's like the weirdest thing. Jose Bautista, I think, follows more people than than – people that follow him right right he just follows so many random people it's the weirdest thing i don't know so jose bautista and pac-man joe maybe we can get those guys to follow you now you get some blue check marks in your follow yeah, account then Pac- you're, then you're really Pac- off and running i don't need pac-man jones following me thanks <laughs> you're not gonna lose any sleep i'm not looking to make it rain <laughs> <laughs> those days are over brother <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> well, yeah, fifty-eight years old. You know, I had to throw your age. Oh yeah, oh time. my God, here we go with you the set age. yourself up. I mean, what do you want me to do? Discrimination, and it's fifty-seven right now. Don't add on 50, another fifty-seven. Digit. I'm sorry, fifty-seven, fifty-eight next month. Yeah, you remind <laughs> me all the time, so that's why I'm going to keep throwing it out there. Maybe you should tell me your age, and I wouldn't use it against you. Oh, Simple. Man. Anything you can, anything you say can and will be used against you on Force Quotes yeah. podcast. All right, all right, all right. (laughs) All right, we'll see everybody next week. Thanks, everybody, for continuing to listen, continuing to support. For Rob Dufre, I'm Andrew May. Guillaume, I love you, Guillaume. I love you, baby. (laughs) We'll see you guys soon.